he made some very good, uh, good, uh, you know, good points. And, uh, you know, I think it's <clears throat> all is well in the universe, but I, I don't know, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it plays out over time if uh, this indeed does stick. But I think uh, that at least for now, it's an opt in. Uh, so like if you download Amethyst from the App Store, it won't have the NIP94 on it. So or uh, integrated in it, it's you have to get it, the code from GitHub, I guess. Too. So it'll attract the hardcore crowd and hopefully. Yeah. All right. So, Stuart, let's, uh, you want to talk a little bit about Satellite Earth and kind of what you're doing here uh, with this client? Yeah, sure. So, um, Satellite is my Nostra client that I published uh, like just like the day before Nostrica uh, back in March. And, um, Satellite was originally, I've been working on Satellite actually for a couple of years. Um, it was not based on Noster. Um, I actually found out about Noster in December uh, when um, uh, Twitter tried to ban it. <laughs> so a bit of a poetic irony there. Um, so um, I decided um, to pivot Satellite to Noster because that's where the community is. And I think that the Bitcoin community in particular uh, has one of the best chances of success at actually making a decentralized alternative to uh twitter and you know i guess people have been contrasting noster with blue sky today it just seems like it's a totally unique culture um that people are uh trying to do something in a genuine way and, and you know we don't necessarily have a grand strategy which i think in some ways makes things harder but uh in other ways it makes it real um and that was what made me think that like you know i should probably uh make satellite um kind of like go with the current here um because it's just it's really really difficult to start a community that was what i learned um after, for the two years that i was working on satellite trying to bootstrap it and um something i've heard from a lot of a couple different people is that you know everyone was kind of thinking along similar lines like you know the idea of signing data offline uh having a pub key be your identity having this, um, you know, redundant channels for distribution of the data. It's sort of like an idea whose time has come. And um, I think that uh, hopefully Satellite can help that effort. Um, that was what I found very interesting about the, I, I think this whole discussion about NIP94 is really important because it's, it's like the first process of like figuring out how we're actually gonna hash out these differences as a community because this needs to be done and ultimately we're on the same side um, with all of this. It's easy to forget that sometimes, but um, yeah, I was, um, I'm quite excited about where it's going. Um, that's kind of the high level overview, sort of like the why of it. Um, and I can get into some details of satellite if you guys want, but. Uh, oh I yeah, just, absolutely. Yeah. And before I get into that, do you, what do you guys think of satellite? What are your impressions of it? I, I think I mean it's it's a nice client. I mean it, it the design yeah. is really nice. I love the um, you know the dark background and mm -hmm. uh, with the gold. I think that just sort of pops out really well. But it's easy to use um, and it's you know it's not uh, you know it's it's speedy and I, I think um, you know it's it's pretty cool. I, I just like the format that you because you can tell there's a theme behind it and how Absolutely. it's. Yeah, and, and it's real smooth. Uh, I've been using it the past couple of days, and 
um, you know, it, it compared to, you know, Snort and Iris, I think it's, you know, it's definitely right, right in line with, uh, where the, the desktop clients are. And, uh, yeah. it's great. Um, yeah, th that was one of the main things that I, um, thought was kind of missing from Noster was just like a Reddit like interface. Um, because I like to read conversation threads, um, kind of at a glance. And that's one of the drawbacks to the Twitter style layout, in my opinion, is that you kind of have to dig around for context when you see a reply. Um, and, uh, you know, there's pros and cons to different layouts, but I think that being able to surface the full conversations of a thread, um, the full, you know, like when someone comments, you can see not only the person they replied to, but the person they replied to and the person they replied to, you know, maybe 10 replies deep. Um, that's, I think, pretty important. Um, and that's what I was trying to go for with the small text size and the kind of minimalistic interface. Um, cause you know, I've, I've def definitely wasted my own, my good share of hours, like reading hacker news and Reddit. And it's extremely addicting because, you know, reading conversations is where it's at. Um, and I think that's kind of like the basis of, on which Noster is going to succeed is that it's the interactions between people that is the value. It's not the content. You know, we can't compete with TikTok. Nobody can compete with the dopamine machine that they've created. So what do we have that's unique? It's the interactions and it's the dramatic element of the, of the place. And that's why I think it's really important to highlight the conversations and kind of focus on that from a UX perspective. Yeah, I, I think you're spot on because we talk about that all the time. That Noster just it feels different. It is different, and it's yeah. more community based. It is not like for shit posting, and you know, I'm, I'm sure there's some of that, but yeah. uh, there's community and connection, and uh, you know, you, you draw that through conversation and personalize it. So yeah, um, yeah, I have a bunch of other ideas with satellite too. Um, I, I feel like we're just getting started here. You know. Um, there's a bunch of, if you go to satellite right now, there's a bunch of coming soon pages. <laughs> you know, yeah, I was going to ask you about those. Yeah, yeah no, you guys, there's definitely, it raises a lot of questions. Um, Cause like I said, I, this is satellite is something that I pivoted from its own native protocol that I was trying to develop for like two years that works similarly to Noster. So I have a few ideas about that. Um, and it's going to take me a, a, probably a few months to integrate those into Noster. And I'm trying to not do everything at once because, you know, it's good to like, that's a huge problem. I think a lot of programmers have, including myself, is that you start, you sort of get like, you have way too many ideas for your own good and really implementation is what matters. So I've, I'm trying to get the core. In fact, actually just yesterday, I finally pushed a user search implementation. Um, I've just been trying to get the client up to par with Iris and Snort and Primal, um, Primal honestly is amazing. I think Primal is probably the my, my favorite client right now, uh, aside from Satellite, um, just in terms of its UX, um, which is you know it's, it's, I, I think that there's something to be said for the way that people uh, sort of it seems like the development community in, on Noster is focusing on functionality over over polish and over over glamour, um, which is a good place to start. Um, and I wouldn't, I think that that's in some ways probably a reaction to the way we saw with web three where web three was just like a bunch of, uh, you know, very little substance, a lot of shiny websites, and it kind of left a bad taste in everyone's mouth about that. So I think it's a great idea to make, to focus on getting the code right and getting the, the functionality right first. Um, but ultimate, uh, I mean, I should say eventually I think that UX is, is super important for bringing in, um, non Bitcoin users uh to the space um it has to have a consistent look and feel 
and that's surprisingly difficult to achieve. Um, but uh, yeah, I like uh, I like on yeah. um, how your uh, your site how you if you kind of scroll up on the threads on the left side and then you click on one and then all, all of a sudden uh, the thread kind of goes jumps over to the right and you have a bunch of replies on going down and so you kind of don't really need to leave like the global thread on the exactly. left while being able to kind of see what you know the conversation that's going on, on the right and I think that that differs your client from Completely. most of the other ones I've seen. Yeah, I really like that feature too. It's um, I think it's nice to be able to sort of at a glance, um, just take in like a huge amount of context at once and then be able to kind of zoom in on where you want to pay attention to, because that's, um, you know, that's one of the weaknesses of Twitter is that it's, it's basically a fire hose where you have just one thing after another. And it's, it's sort of flat in that sense. Um, I like the idea of having depth to almost like a fractal depth to the, the comment trees. And um, I right now everything just loads at once, and it's okay because um, you know there's not too much spam on Nostra yet, or maybe there is, and the relays are just doing a great job of filtering it. But I think that in the future there's probably going to need to be a lot more kind of um, intelligent uh, auto collapsing of comment threads. Um, that's what I would like to focus on. I think um, you know that's kind of an optimization but i think when nostra grows it's even going to become it's just going to become more and more important to try to be able to have that high level view that you can sort of zoom in on when you see something interesting yeah it is it's, it's definitely super cool i'm looking at it now and like you know <laughs> easy to digest some of these health threads uh, that yeah, go on exactly it thrives in the health threads. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's, its, that's its use case. <laughs> yeah, but it, but it's simple and it's it, it's super visual and like you said, that depth or you know the uh, hierarchy of the conversation, you can kind yeah. of just see it flow, and um, that, that nobody else is doing that. Like, so if you want to dive into a conversation, catch up, you know, it's right there, and uh, that's yeah. super cool. And so for the profile feed, um, that was something that was its own little tricky problem because i ran into the issue of you know so i want to be able to like surface uh full conversations so like let's say you're looking at like um you know like jack's page or something and then he replied to a person that's 10 nested replies deep so that is especially with the more popular accounts if you loaded the entire thread basically like the root the root event and then the reply to that the reply to that the reply to that and then all the replies, you know, if you've loaded the entire thread for every single thing, then um, you would have to probably, you know, you have to scroll for 10 minutes by the time you get to the next person, you know, to the person's next message when you're on their profile feed, because there'd be so much stuff. So what I ended up doing with the profile feed was kind of only showing a subset of the replies to each thread that the person participated in, where like if you... Um, so for instance like if jack replies to someone and it's part of like a long uh reply thread the only other replies that will show up in that thread are either someone who the original person whose profile it is replied to someone they follow or someone who the person who's currently logged in follows so it's or someone that in anyone who's been liked or retweeted or reposted of um in any other context um in the batch of events that currently loaded so it kind of um when i when i figured that out it started to look a lot better because it was getting overwhelming at first but i think that that type of algorithm where you use kind of like an implicit um 
there's kind of like an, an implicit trust score for the events that you're loading. Um, that, that, that was actually an idea that I was really interested to find out was something that's been used by Scuttlebutt. Um, I was, uh, Rabble was talking about that earlier, where you use this kind of like friend of a friend of a friend, friend type metric. And um, even on a single feed, I think that's really important. Um, and it's cool because, you know, in the Noster is like everything is done on the client side. So you don't have the benefit of servers that are doing this uh, for you. So I think we're going to have to innovate a lot in terms of how clients work. It's actually quite, it's quite the web, uh, the front end engineering challenge. I'll tell you what, it's pretty complicated, especially with web sockets. So how do you go about um, like mapping that out? Is it, do you, uh, like you said, you don't have a grand kind of master strategy. Um, and I think that's smart. A lot of the real successful businesses, you know, it's a famous uh, uh, Berkshire Hathaway principle is just you know sort of let them go and then respond as, as the demands come in yeah so how, do you, how do you kind of go about like uh outlining the architecture of it and trying to achieve that so um in terms of the act the core functionality i'm trying to implement the, the the protocol spec kind of to a pretty good degree of completeness just to bring satellite up to par with um the, like iris and primal and stuff like that but beyond that i think it's pretty much there um, what I'm really interested in is uh, sub-communities. I think that is going to be the next, I think that that's what Nostra desperately needs right now. Because, um, you know, like in the last few days, people have been really talking about how there's been this debate over, like, whether or not it's a good thing to focus on Bitcoin so much and whether that's driving away new people. And, you know, there's two sides to that. Some people are saying, like, you know, no, we have to be authentic and talk about real stuff. Otherwise, this is going to turn into, like, just like a fake you know, just like every other social media. And then other people are like, well, no, it's alienating because then people feel like they don't know what's going on and they can't participate. So I, I think both of those perspectives are valid. And um, it reminds me of this like principle that I always try to think about is that usually the, the path, usually the right decision, usually the direction of progress is found in the integration of opposites. So in this case, we have opposites is like one pole, one pole, one aspect of this polarity is the global feed where everyone's talking about Bitcoin. And then the other aspect of it is sort of like um, the ability to have more conversations about other things. And so I think both of those things are right. And what you need to do is have a space where people can talk about Bitcoin um, and in the spaces where people can talk about things that are their own little sub-universe. And that was like what Reddit did correctly, I think. Um, Reddit actually is one of the most successful social media sites. It's just that they have a really bad governance model. Um, you know, basically they have a, a dictatorship as their governance model. And that's something I think Noster could really, really improve upon is having some notion of like a subreddit so that you could have people able to form communities. And then that would be like a sort of like a growth hack or a growth loop to where if you could have like, you know, a hundred people who are interested in some topic that was not Bitcoin, that was not Noster, they could start their own little thing. And then they would go out and actively recruit people to be part of that community. Um, so that's where I see satellite going in the future. That's what I'm focusing on right now is building like subreddits that simultaneously have a governance model and the ability for people to kind of, you know, have like a leader of the community instead of just being a moderator that's serving at the pleasure of the site admins, as is the case with Reddit, um, you know, rather this moderator would almost be like a real owner. It would be like, it wouldn't be a fiat sub-community would be a crypto sub-community in the sense that the person who's the moderator has the private keys effectively 
to do that job. And of course, um, you can fork the community. And that's what's like super, super compelling about this is um, being able to sort of compose these um, uh, social corporations, in a sense, um, out of out of the data that we're creating on Noster. I mean, this is that, that's getting a little theoretical, but that's where I'm going with satellite right now is I'm uh, my next big um, kind of greenfield project is going to be creating this type of functionality. So how do you foresee moderation working on a satellite? Well, I've been thinking about that. And I think that it makes the most sense to have it be extremely simple at first, where you basically are able to create a space. Like, for instance, if you wanted to talk about, you know, you can see this actually happening with, um, you know, the kind of hashtag trends that are occurring on Noster, like Foodster or Feedster or whatever it is. I probably would not make a community about that, but like, let's say you had a community that wanted to talk about like, um, uh, I don't know, like, um, yeah, let's just say, let's just say um, like an art community where people are posting, posting their art. If you just post your art and you shout into the void, you're not going to get as much engagement as if you, you know, po uh, posted in a community where that, where there was an expectation of that type of content and people specifically went there for that. So if somebody thinks that they could do a good job and are qualified and willing to moderate such a space, they could just create one, just like you would create a subreddit. And then they would create basically a whitelist of people who were allowed to post there. And there'd be a lot of options that you could use. And you could maybe just make it free to join, or maybe you could just say, hey, send me a DM or just click a button that requests an invite or however you could, I have to figure out the UX still. But, but uh, I, how about badges? What about badges is uh, like an invitation? That's a, that's a good idea. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Anything that would serve functionally as just like a little signal that you're allowed to participate, you know, to create a whitelist in some way. Um, it'd be really, really good to do probably without creating any new NIPs. That's my goal <laughs> is uh, I think we're getting a little overwhelmed here. We should probably figure out what we can implement with the existing spec. Um, yeah, I think, so I, yeah, I, really I, think I think Fiat Jeff's on board with you too because he. Uh, I was listening to that Bitcoin review on my my drive to and from work today, and <laughs> he seemed like maybe we should cool on the nips for the time being and kind of focus on yeah, the build out. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, I think I, I think it would just start off simple, um, basically a whitelist, and then in the future, I mean, you could. <laughs> I, I love to think about how far this could go. I mean, you could. One direction you could take it is. Um, thinking about just how corporations are structured in, in a legal sense, that you, there's the ability to delegate authority or like effectively sort of deputize other users to act on behalf of the person who is the supreme leader of the supreme moderator of the community. Um, you could say, you know, you could appoint moderators um, right. to do that. But I think what might be even simpler is to have like some kind of AI do it for you. And this is a, you know, I don't want to sound like, you know, it's really you know, everyone nowadays just thinks that AI is the solution to every single problem because, you know, everyone's excited. There's an AI hype bubble right now. So I think that this is actually an instance in which AI could really benefit um, Noster is by basically decreasing the moderation burden on moderators by sort of like um, pre-organizing the, the, the fire hose of data that's coming at them a little bit and just saying like, hey, here's a bunch of posts that might not fit in this community, and then you have human control over um, whether you not want, you know whether you want to improve them or not. And that's an example of that integration of opposites thing: is that you have human leadership, but you have um, artificial intelligence that is serving as a tool 
like a Rather suggestion, than, like a like suggest that maybe these posts don't fit within the uh, the realm of the sub community. Yeah, because right? that's then, what, then I would leave the moderator up to make the decision on yeah, yay absolutely. or nay, right? Absolutely, and that that was something that Reddit failed at was they didn't provide good mod tools. So I think we have an opportunity now to make Noster just a way more successful Reddit, where not only do you have the ability to um, moderate your community so it doesn't become overrun by spam, but you also are like affecting, or I mean, you're you're building you're building equity in the community essentially because if you put in work and everyone is posting in your community and you you kind of earn you it's like an accumulation of social capital that I see um, happening there and. Uh, I think that that is something that it's kind of it's, it's it's a specific instance of this larger thing I've been thinking about, which is this relationship between um, like uh, cryptography and decentralization on one hand, and like AI on the other hand. AI, the way we look at it right now, is extremely centralizing force, and but I don't think it necessarily has to be that way. I think that it's actually really important that no. Um, people who are involved in trying to make the world more decentralized, more censorship resistant, basically more free. Um, you know, I think it's really important that we don't leave AI on the table because we don't really have a choice. We, we don't, we don't want to bring a knife to a gunfight. Um, I think it's really important to figure out how to make AI work to um, strengthen decentralized systems. Um, because, and you know, if we don't do that with, with this with Noster, there's no way that like centralized social networks are going to voluntarily give more power to their users. This is something that has to be built um, sort of from the ground up. But now's the time to do it because there's not much in the way of competition. Well, this is always the way it goes. It's always the centralization versus decentralization tug of war. And so if we can start pulling yeah. the pulling the rope towards the end of decentralization, especially with things as powerful. As AI, I think it's you know important to to try and do so. Absolutely. Hey, uh, let's talk about. Uh, I want to talk about some of your coming soon's on your website because they they interest me. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. First, first epic. Yeah. Coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the most mysterious thing, right? Right. Yeah. So um, the one of the ideas that I was working on before satellite was even had, had even been pivoted to Noster was this idea of creating an archive of the progress that had been made in a social ecosystem. So I'll give you the basic, basically the, the one sentence summary of this is that an epoch is going to be a torrent of all the data that people have created on Noster in the last 28 days. So I think it's every, every what is it, 28 days, uh, four hours, three minutes and one second or something like that. That's the, that's the lunar period. So every time there's a new moon, satellite server will automatically bundle all the events and um, of people who've opted into it and create like a massive archive of the events that can be hosted by anyone. Um, and I think this could be sort of a solution to the problem of relays. Um, deleting data is um, what's that one? What's that quote from something or other? Uh, I can't remember who said it, but like, I want to say it's like Thomas, Thomas Jefferson, but I feel like that's like a fake thing. Who knows? But it's, um, you know, whoever has the power to control the past can control the future. 
And, you know, we've, we've seen this with the kind of like memory holding and selective editing and, um, uh, you know, just the way that like history is rewritten to suit the present narrative. And so I think we have to do something about that and creating this archive in a torrent form of everything that was said and done and all the interactions is kind of an important way of future proofing and preventing, preventing people from editing the past, very similar to how blockchain, how blockchain works. Right, exactly. As long as someone has that, that torrent file they can connect to or concede, then the history will yeah. always be uh, up and available for people to remember, right? Exactly. Well, that's, that's pretty incredible. Uh, I was actually, when I was listening to the Bitcoin review with, with uh, Will earlier mm -hmm. today, he was saying that they, he'd have problems um, doing something with BitTorrent on Apple because Apple doesn't like uh, BitTorrent. I they, know. Banned, they banned it. So it was actually kind of got me thinking that, you know, at some point, like it's another kind of a hard forking thing, whereas like if we do start introducing more things with um, um, operating services that are operating systems that don't allow certain things like Apple doesn't allow BitTorrent, we could get into a, a, another um, hard fork type event or whatever, you know, Right. like we're seeing today with, with 94, 95. So, yeah, exactly. Um yeah, but I mean, I think at least with the, um, I, I look at this Epoch Archive thing as being more of kind of like a failsafe or a backup. Um, I don't think that it'll be used to really serve data to clients because it's not really an efficient way to do so. Um, but it definitely could be a thing to where, let, let's say that, um, you know, a bunch of relays got nuked or something. And now suddenly there's these gaps in the historical record of Noster. It'd be really cool to be able to go download the torrents that occurred and unpack everything and then use that data to repopulate the relays. Um, well, it's, it's like that, uh, you know, the GitHub's Arctic Code Vault or something like that. Um, that they're, you know, backing up all the source code for GitHub uh, on some little remote island in the Arctic. Um, as, as kind of like a, an insurance policy. I think something like that's important because you know, what we're doing here on Nostra is we're creating, um, we're building accumulations of social capital. Um, and that's, that has value and people will try to manipulate it um, if they if they can get away with it, um, which is, you know, why a blockchain is useful is it just forces everyone to be honest. Um, so, yeah, that's the the analogy between these epochs and blocks in a blockchain is actually pretty is actually pretty tight i think because um the way i imagine these epochs working is that every successive epoch will contain the event id of the previous epoch exactly just like how you know every successive block in a blockchain contains the hash of the block that preceded it so that way you can't just swap you can't swap out history without without everyone knowing it fascinating um, the NIP5 Verify, you're going to offer a verification uh, service for, That's the plan. for users? Yeah, Yeah, I think Pretty. actually what I'm going to do is I'm going to allow maybe the NIP5 thing to be the way that people opt in to the Epoch archives, because I don't, I think there's going to be some users that don't want to have their data archived, um, which is totally understandable. And I think it would probably not be the best thing to just indiscriminately scoop up everyone's data and put it in a torrent. I think it should be opt-in. So I'm planning on basically making the NIP5 verify thing something where you you pay like a very small amount of sats, like 
you know, like maybe like a few cents or something just to try to deter some spam if possible. And then you can get a NIP5 and then that will, um, that's that, that'll be how you opt in to having your data, to being able to write events to the satellite relay. Um, I don't have the relay deployed yet, but I actually wrote my own relay. Um, well, hopefully it <laughs> works in production. <laughs> we'll find out. But um, yeah, when I get that deployed, um, the NIP5s, the, the relay and the epochs are gonna launch at the same time. Probably, probably in the next couple months. How do you feel about NIP five being a long term uh, solution or answer to uh, verified identity? I think it's a stopgap. I don't right. think it's a long term solution because ultimately it still depends on the government um, to create. You know, which because it depends on ICANN. So, right. um, yeah, but it works for now. I, I don't think it's one of those things that is really creating any too much like technical debt. Because people have the pub keys, and pub keys are uh, used as the um, sort of a unique key that indexes everything else. So I, I don't, I don't see the harm in NIP five really for now. Have you kind of dreamed up any potential solutions or things you might be curious to explore in regards to an alternative? Um, in terms of identity verification, um, well, I think that the there, I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of innovation in the space of this web of trust stuff, and I think that's another thing that AI can be useful for, because people, you know, right now you can absolutely guarantee that people are trying to use AI right now to manipulate social networks. They're trying to figure out exactly um, where the points of leverage are, who the influ who influential people are, what kind of posts have what influence, and they're they're bringing to bear this really powerful technology on trying to exploit and undermine social networks. So I think by the same token, it is possible to use AI to kind of at least create like this arms race level playing field thing where you have AI that's trying to attack social networks, but you also have AI that's trying to defend social networks. And AI is a neutral tool, you know, it's like fire or it's like a gun. It really depends on who's wielding it. Um, and uh, I think long term that's probably the only thing that we can do about it is have the data be you know public available digitally signed and have very sophisticated analysis tools that are trying to keep up with um, the attackers so basically to long long story short i think pub key is the way to go just having have, have a pub key be your identity um you know i guess the biggest drawback is if you lose your pub key you're screwed but um, I'm imagining maybe there's, you know, maybe some kind of social recovery mechanism or something like that. Uh, to be honest, I haven't thought too much about that problem. Um, I think there's probably really smart people thinking about that, but I'm definitely keeping my eyes open. Yeah, yeah so like a new service, new services could arise to support yeah. that, yeah. And we're going to get better with key management as time goes on, right? You're going to get, you know, not signing so. devices and those kinds of similar things that we have with Bitcoin. And so, um, yeah. All right, next on the list, open source. What's what's that tab all about? So I'm going to, um, like I said, I'm developing a relay. Um, as soon as that's production sort of ready, I'm going to deploy it there. Um, it's not a relay that's up to, you know, it's probably if, if you if you want to run like a super bulletproof tested relay, I would probably use like um, no stream or something like that because it's, it's a great relay. But I have this relay that I developed actually myself just almost as like a way to help develop the satellite client because in the local development environment, it's it, it's kind of annoying when you can't see the backend logs. Um, so it's really helpful to be able to like look at 
watch a very simple, almost like a toy relay that's um, just running on your machine that helps for development. So I'm going to release that um, and hopefully with some good documentation, just mainly as a tool to help other developers who are working on clients to be able to run that on their local machine um, as like a, just to help out with, with dev. And then um, I am probably actually tomorrow, I was trying to get it done before this, uh, before this episode, but um, I'm going to just release the whole satellite client. Um, and uh, yeah, it's not very documented. It's kind of messy, which is why it's taken me a little while to release is that um, I just, I'm trying to make it modular. So the code is actually useful to other people. And it's not just a giant mass of uh, opaque spaghetti code. <laughs> but that's what happens when you're in a rush to get something done. And uh, I definitely was, so. Perfect timing. So we, we should have this recorded session chopped up and thrown up on our socials and we can do whatever whatever we can within our power to try to help promote your uh, awesome your client. So, hey, JG, what's going on? I noticed you raised your hand. You got a question you want to ask Stuart? Yeah. Hey, guys. Uh, hey. Just to go back there for a second. Uh, yeah, that whole issue of if you lose your um, private Noster key and all that, mm -hmm. I was thinking, could you have like verification and... I know we have the verification now, but could we set up something where you could send another transaction from the same wallet that you originally verified from to kind of demonstrate that uh, you want to move your verification from the old account to the new account or something like that? Well, so I've, I've thought about this actually. Um, before Satellite pivoted to Noster, I had this concept of a recovery key and it worked similar to that, where basically what you would do is that when you created your main key, you would sign a special event that basically said, here's my, my key in case I ever lose my current key. And so basically what it meant is that um, you, if, if you ever sign a transaction with the key that you designated as your recovery key, then everyone should assume that your old key is no longer valid and then your new key is um, replaces your existing key. Um, and you have to do that before your key becomes compromised, of course, because if you wait till your key's compromised, then someone else can just, um, you know, create that recovery key and it kind of defeats the purpose. Um, so there has to be a way of once you set your recovery key, you can't do it again, because if you do it again, then there's no way of knowing that the second time is not someone who compromised your key. That that's as far as I've gotten on it. But um, yeah, it's 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 similar, I think, in effect to the whole um, key delegation nip, where you delegate authority. But I think that the ability to replace your master key is actually is is possibly a good idea, also. Yeah, you know the one thing I think that is awesome about your client that you know you're talking about kind of making it. Uh, model similar to Reddit. Yeah. Um, uh, oh, we always joke, you know, Noster is kind of like the Trojan horse to get people into Bitcoin. And, yes. and we, we've seen that, you know, just in the engagement, you know, there's a lot of people that come in like, what is this? And, you know, what are Satoshis and what are Zaps and stuff like that? And then all of a sudden, you know, they're onboarded, uh, you know, pretty quickly just through, uh, you know, they're, 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 brought in with their interest and next thing you know they're they're a natural bitcoiner uh through um just by proxy yeah i know it's it's a gateway drug <laughs> <laughs>
that's I've, I've that's why I'm interested in Noster is that I think it's like uh, you know you can only get there's there's you know maybe 10 15 percent of the population that are are going to be convinced on the merits of something like this and then there's going to be the majority of people who do it use it because it's allows microtransactions and is just useful um so yeah we definitely right now are in a sort of uh, exceptional circumstances where we're hashing all this stuff out and fighting over over you know, p94 and like all this stuff i think it's actually good it's actually healthy it's it's good to do this now when we're like i don't know how what, how many what's what are like the active users on Noster right now it's like something like seven thousand it, people yeah it's pretty like low yeah. yeah no i agree it, it, and it has a lot of echoes of like early bitcoin days and you know hashing out these things yeah. and, you know it's part of the open source uh theme that goes along with all of that um yeah everything in, involved in this space well it also yes. shows you know this is just an amazing use case for because i like you know a couple of days ago i showed my boss who had just bought a bunch of bitcoin you know it's on chain bitcoin and i was kind of showing him like hey like trying to teach him the idea of like the internet of money and type stuff and you know i just kind of pulled up amethyst and i you know on my phone and zapped uh, some like 21 chats over to somebody and it kind of went to his wallet instantly. It didn't have to go to a separate wallet. I did was click the lightning button, you know, through the wallet connect. And he was like, whoa. And I'm like, yeah, there was no bank in between. Like that was just peer to peer transaction, final settlement. <clears throat> and I'm like, you know, that's, that's kind of what this means by internet of money. Like a lot of the preconceived notions about Bitcoin is like, oh, it's too slow. It takes 10 minutes to settle, you know, and I can't figure it out. Cause like, you know, the hardware wallet stuff's too, too complicated. And, this kind of just yeah like you said pro provides kind of like a gateway drug for people to say oh wait maybe this is pretty easy and this is something i could use it for and, and guess what if i if i say something cool maybe i'll get some free money for it you know so yeah totally and people i think it's also good way to demonstrate that kind of like the original dream of cryptocurrency which was just the ability to act as cash like and it seems like i think that in some sense like almost like tokens were like the worst thing that ever happened to cryptocurrency and i think that it just almost it really like poisoned the public perception because the average person thinks that like they just think of like cryptocurrency oh uh so you're trying to like buy buy low and sell high right okay well of course there's no way to prevent speculation but when you don't have a functional use case then speculation is the only thing that exists and um it's very I think it's like extremely important to actually have a functioning um, where people, you know, people are using cryptocurrency because they can make money and they can make a livelihood that way. Um, and they're not doing it either because they think it's cool or they're trying to get rich, um, you know, just by speculating. Um, that was one of the things I noticed when I was down in uh, Nostrica conference was that it was like really cool. You could just, you could like buy bananas from the store with lightning. Like that was like amazing. <laughs> like, and it was just, it's really funny to see how I think in some sense, like the developing countries that don't have to fight against these existing systems are going to almost have like kind of like a renaissance when people are able to um, just kind of have like less barriers to entry. Um, you know, I, I would really love the ability to start a business on, um, you know, backed by Lightning Network and Noster. I think that's kind of where it's going. You, you see a lot of social networks heading in that direction right now. Like their social networks are kind of evolving into these like hybrid commerce, political, um, social entities. Um, and they're just being completely hamstrung by the inability to send small transactions to each other and, 
um, they're just, you know, everyone's existing inside of a highly restrictive kind of shopping mall type environment where everyone's a renter and no one actually owns anything. So it's that, that was, that's, I think the ultimate kind of goal for something like a subreddit or a sub community is that it has the ability, if the people in the community want to, to kind of eventually grow into an economic network. Um, and you see that happening with things on Reddit. Like there's lots of subreddits that have tried to become businesses, but they aren't able to because they don't have the private keys to their community. They have to follow all these rules, which are you know passed down by MasterCard and whoever the payment processors of Reddit are. And um, they don't, they don't, they can't edit their own code basically. So I think if you just had the ability, uh, if you had something like a community, like a subreddit or a sub satellite, a sub noster, whatever you want to call it, if you had that the ability to just give free reign to people to build and sort of like almost like in a biological way, like mutate and evolve and fork and have like this massively parallel iterative um, experimentation to explore the space of what you can do with this uh, concentration of social capital that we're that we're forming here. Um, I think it could be really amazing. Um, I'm really stoked to see what happens. And um, there's going to be a lot of people who make money selling the shovels as it were in that process. Um, I think that's probably the best ideas because, you know, we can't, we don't, we can't speculate right now. There's no token on Noster, which is amazing. So how do you make money? Well, you probably actually have to sell something useful that people want, like the old fashioned way, figure out what are the commodities of Noster? What are the useful tools? What are the services you can provide? That's what I, that's what I would like to turn satellite into is like a, not just a client, but like a, almost like a platform for Noster businesses platform for Noster communities, something like that. That's, I've been thinking a lot about that. That's so interesting because so much discussion around marketplace and building marketplace on Noster. Yeah. And this is kind of like already kind of set up in a way. And, and, and it's, it you know, the payment layers already there. It's just getting the yeah. information and the exchange of, of goods. Yeah, I think you know one of the biggest draws of Noster is like you know if you're if you're on Reddit and you're a, you're a big content creator, you're paying fifty five percent of your your wealth that you're bringing in from your audience, uh, and you're giving it right to to YouTube. And so, absolutely, if, you, if we were able to build out you know similar ecosystems, parallel and similar ecosystems where you know users still get the same experience, but the content creators are getting you know ninety nine percent or whatever, and maybe the, maybe they kick the developer, you know, whatever. Yeah. They feel like, you know what I mean? So they, they can keep going and that kind of stuff. But, you know, you, you, you get as a content creator or an artist or whatever you, you know, you're doing on the Internet, you're going to get the lion's share of the, the profit from from your effort and your work. And so, yeah, it's just a matter of time before and a matter of the tools being built out and, the, you know, uh, that it's just inevitable and that some of these centralized um, big tech companies and platforms are going to kind of fall by the wayside because I don't I don't think that they'll ever try to budge and maybe just adopt Noster and, and switch their, their, their business model over to a Noster business model. I think they'll kind of like go by the way of like a Sears or a Kmart or some of these other big giant companies from, from yesteryear that kind of like failed to adapt and, and got yeah. run over and fell by the way. So I, I kind of see that kind of playing out that dynamic. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think um, content creators um, are one of the big uh, opportunities for Noster and the other Another one that's sort of like adjacent to that is uh, moderators themselves. 
like um, Reddit relied on free free labor basically for for years to build their whole platform. But you know, if if you're moderating a community, that is a legitimate job. You are uh, doing something. You're creating a valuable resource for people. And I think there needs to be a way to pay moderators um, because, you know, what's the saying? Like, if you want nice things, you have to create a market for them. You can't just expect people to do everything for free. You have to be able to create a way for people to economically benefit by cultivating a very well-managed um, community. And maybe that can be a community of content creators because, you know, so it's almost like there's these, um, you know, these these, there's this economic, uh, what is it, uh, niche, uh, niche colonization, where you kind of have like ecological succession. You know, you have the trees that grow, and then you have the, the the fern that grows on the trees, and then you have the little bugs that live on the fern. Like every layer of the ecosystem creates the opportunity for the next one. So I think that like for content creators initially, right now on Noster, there's not there's no competition, and there's no there's not much spam. So people can post something, and they can get a lot of visibility. But if Noster does become a place, hopefully where people are getting making money and, and getting exposure, there's going to be tons and tons and tons of people that show up as soon as they think they can make a buck off of it, just like happened with Web3, just like happened with you know everything that's ever happened in crypto. Um, so I think when that happens with Noster, um, there's going to be a huge need to, to kind of create like people who create spaces where content creators can, can be seen through this, through the noise. And that is um yeah that's um that that is it's it brings to mind this this thing i think about sometimes where like you know we talk about censorship on noster a lot and you know the classic image of censorship is um you know like your hand over your mouth like the uh, preventing you from being able to speak but um what's less obvious is that um another form of censorship, which is even maybe even more common these days, is just um, like 100 people in a room shouting and no one can hear you. So uh, the we usually think of censorship as a reduction in signal, but it can also be an, a massive increase in noise. And that's the type of censorship we also have to address on Noster. And that, has, that can only be addressed, I think, through some kind of um, sort of a competitive decentralized um, market for good moderators that are able to create spaces where signal can actually exist. Um, yeah, I think when you were, when, if you were, you were, you said, like you said, you were back in, uh, back on us or back in December, you kind of first discovered it. And I was kind of around the same time too. And that's kind of when the spam bot started to come out. And so it was like, yeah. if you were just kind of participating on global, you'd get, you'd fire off a note, but then all of a sudden it'd be a hundred uh, messages down the screen, you know? <laughs> before the relay operators got a lot better uh, at filtering out some of the spam, you know, but it's, it's the same thing, right? Like the noise basically like drowns out the signal. Yeah. So, and the way that centralized social platforms have dealt with that so far is they've basically substituted um, policy for judgment because human judgment simply doesn't scale. You can't have uh, you know, a group of 100 people managing the social interactions and defending against spam for 100 million people. It's just not possible. So what you do is you resort to the same thing that hierarchies always result, resort to, which is the imposition of one-size-fits-all uh, one directives, which have the ability, you know, at which, you know, they have the ability, uh, the benefit of creating consensus, but at the very steep price of, like, um, 
usually the decisions and policies are really, really dumb because they don't apply to uh, the reality on the ground. Um, like, and you, you see that with any kind of centralized system is that it ends up, the more centralized it is, the less optimal its decision-making ability. So the ult um, I look at sort of like the opposite of a hierarchy is like an ecosystem where you have tons of little tiny embedded hierarchies that are all looking out for themselves, but they're embedded in this decentralized context. And the ecosystem itself is kind of like an information processing machine that is figuring out what are the most resilient structures at any given moment. And that's what's happening on Noster right now is we're just like the first little sprout that came up, but pretty soon this community is gonna go to seed and it's going to sprout a hundred more little communities and they're gonna go in a million different directions. Yeah, I keep no. saying, uh, you know, people just seem to be uh, drawn into their roles here in, in Noster, and everyone's kind of finding their their place, and and things are, are starting to flow. And I can't imagine, you know, especially if uh, a bunch of people flood in. Um, I think it's like, you know, the timing's right uh, for this product to kind of be out there, uh, or this client. I shouldn't call it a product, but uh, it, it reminds me. You ever read the Malcolm Gladwell book, uh, The Tipping Point? He, he okay. talks he talks about like different types of people connectors mavens and salesmen so like mm -hmm. you're talking about like moderators and stuff like that like that'd yeah. be like connectors people that can kind of manage uh, different personalities and, and be able to sort of guide them to where they need to be in, in yeah. the network and uh, it's it's fascinating to just consider um, you know, that is 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 a role you know everyone's paranoid about AI taking all the jobs but I think new jobs and new means of incentive and uh and and payments and things like that are, are like right in front of us and it's just all kind of being built out and it's it's yeah. fun to watch yeah i think organizing um sources i think organizing human communities and sources of information is going to be a huge like class of jobs in the future where basically you know because i don't want to be ruled by ai i want to be I want the world to be led by humans. Um, and I think we have to build the infrastructure to allow that to happen. Because otherwise, if we just sit around and do nothing, then there's going to be a few centralized networks that use AI to offload all responsibility of moderation onto that. And there's not going to be any alternative. So we have an opportunity now to try to create a functioning ecology, a functioning uh, ecology where like culture can, can survive and human-led organizations can survive because you know it's there's interesting distinction between intelligence and um will intelligence and values like ai you know you might have a super intelligent ai but it's not human it doesn't necessarily have human values it might not value the same things humans want like that's really hard to approach that question so i think we shouldn't really roll the dice with that and just think that just because something is smart means that it would be what we want because there's plenty of things that humans want that they don't have rational reasons for. Like, you know, if you want to, um, like Noster isn't particularly, um, uh, you know, uh, like there, there's so much more polished options, but for some reason we all want to be here because it feels like a human space. And I think that's really important to try to preserve that. And the social networks that are ma maintain that humanity are going to be at a big advantage because people are going to be, really sick of dealing with machine intelligence in pretty short order, if I had to predict. I feel like I'm already sick of it. 
I'm I'm looking at AI thinking like, okay, how do we use this as a tool, um, you know, and, and avoid it becoming um, the ruler of the world um, at the hands of centralized institutions. So it's, it's very interesting. I think we also, as humans, need to get uh, involved in healthier engagement and conversation on social media as well. We want to kind of clear it in a bit, you know, quit focusing yeah. on the, the division and the negativity and the drama and some of the other clip, clickbaity type stuff that might dominate, you know, the Twitters of the world. Yeah. Um, another thing, you know, talking just kind of like overall view on how you, you kind of dream this ecosystem being built out. Another really important feature, I think, is going to be the ability to divide up uh, zaps. Uh, so like, you know, if, if, I, if I'm a moderator or whatever and a user likes my content work, he can, you know, and he wants to zap 100 sets or whatever, he can send, you know, five your way as the creator of yeah. Satellite.Earth, you know, maybe 20 to the his relay uh, for, you know, helping carry right. along his message and then obviously send, you know, a good chunk of it to the moderator and then maybe also a chunk of it to the content creator who posted the, the nice the, the, the intellectual note that they really enjoyed or whatever. So being able, being able to just split just split zaps off in like five six different directions just with one click, something that you really can't see in, in any of the legacy um, social media ecosystems. No, hundred hundred percent. I think that that something like that is very important, um, and like that kind of very like fine grained liquidity um, would be super super powerful. Um, that might actually be the competitive advantage that Noster has that will able that will allow it to sort of supplant like Reddit or Twitter or something like that, hundred percent. Yeah, one of the things you talk about and you you uh, you frame it as an ecosystem. And I was uh, talking to Brandon Quint Quintum uh, earlier today, and he wrote um, a good article about uh, mycelium and you know its yeah. comparisons to um, to Bitcoin. And I've always thought, you know, human and, and nature are complex adaptive system. They're bottom up, you know, there's not a top down as much as uh, us people, you know, want to say we engineer everything in the world. Uh, nature still, you know, has a law and a, and a rule to, to follow. And it's like setting up the systems just so really the gateways and then just fill in the gaps with the people and just watch it thrive. Yeah. Totally. And um, I mean, I think that's a very, very good model to look at things like, um, you know, if you think about like a corporation, like a legal corporation in some sense is a um, an organism and it is a t it is attempting to acquire scarce resource. That resource is money because money is what it needs to uh, survive and grow and reproduce. And, um, you know, like it's just, it's, it's just, it's very biological, like an, an animal in an ecosystem is, it is also a corporation in sense, in some sense it's in the word, actually, like the word corporation comes from the word corpus, which means body. So it's, it's not a coincidence that animals are attempting to acquire scarce resource, which is energy and it's food they have to eat. So, um, it's nature will, if given a scarce quantity, nature will always create a game to acquire that quantity. And that's what's happened in the ecosystem. And, you know, if you look around, the only complex system that has existed for 4 billion years is the biosphere. And I think it, from a practical standpoint, it actually is really worth like taking a cue from that and thinking, thinking about this, like, okay, so we have, um, 
you know, we, we, we have an ecosystem and then we created this thing called capitalism, which is almost like an operating system that to greatly varying extents creates free markets by enforcing property rights. And, you know, it's not the same thing as a free market, but ideally capitalism will create a simulation in which a free market can exist and you can define a scarce token. And, but as we've seen, you know, Bitcoiners understand more better than most that you can't trust the operating system. It has security flaws. It can be hacked. You know, the constitution that, that supposedly created our free market is really, the constitution is computer code. The constitution is, is, um, is running, is a computer code running on human society that organizes and sets up um, the ability for people to transact. So if you think about where that's going, um, now we have the internet. So like, what is the main, you know, what is the currency of the internet? And we're using zaps, we're using Bitcoin, which is itself, in some sense, like an abstraction of energy scarcity, which is fascinating, if you think about it, it's like a way of wrapping up energy and computer code so that we can trade with it that's absolutely beautiful but another scarce quantity that exists on the internet is humans themselves users because social networks like noster and blue sky and twitter are all trying to acquire it that's how you know it's money that's how you know it's energy that's how you know it's food is that everyone's trying to get it so we are have to acquire users and um i think that that is it's, it's funny to think about it that way because it's like, you know, if you want, it's like if you want social media to work for humans, then people need to become money. Like, and it sounds weird because nobody wants to be money, but think about money. People value money. They care for it. They protect it. They treasure it. <laughs> Basically, uh, we, we have to set up a system where the social networks evolve to acquire and incentivize our voluntary participation instead of um kind of trying to extract resources through attention or through some sort of political leverage or all the different indirect means that um they try to profit from people and i mean i think that's the high level theoretical perspective that i, that I take on this anyway well and also in regards to user acquisition you know you have something that i guess I, I guess i call it the nostroverse or userverse or whatever you want to call it i mean uh, whereas, you know, clients obviously are, you know, creating, they're doing their own thing and creating up, building out their own things. But, um, the more clients that are built, the more functionality and, and different apps and whatever, you know, come out that draw people into the overall Nostra ecosystem, it's kind of a benefit to all the client creators and all the developers who are building out tools, because, you know, you, you're, you're, we're also, we're all relying on each other to kind of grow this whole entire, uh, user verse. Yeah. together where it's like not just not really like this walled area where it's like they only go here they only go here they have to log in here use a different password here you know sign in here and sign out here and so um yeah. rising tide lifts all boats yeah we're kind of all working together to, to kind of build this thing out and so i just feel like it, that that also makes it a frictionless experience uh that'll help incentivize and draw people in it's kind of like oh i got my end public i can go into pretty much every uh Nostra client you know at least public Nostra client that's out there yeah the concept of a micro app is very very compelling um and i think that's another one of those little things that is kind of adjacent to the whole ai issue is that like you know people um i don't i don't think maybe you know it we'll, we'll see if it if it happens or not but people predict you know that like anyone can just write up a quick spec or a description for an app and then it'll be um, you can have AI create it. I think if like maybe let's say five years from now, if Noster has the ability to have kind of like 
its own browser basically or have like really well established um, environment to run in you might have the ability for these sub communities on Noster to kind of create like bespoke functionality very easily so even if you have a group of a community of people who are like um, like you know artists or something you know and they're not necessarily programmers if they need some type of application that that is for their community that they might be able to do that um it might be within within reach economically which is actually a, a great thing because it and it really shows you how like the code following the community is something that's really is really important um just like how dna encodes sort of like the logic that a cell uses to negotiate its environment um there's something like that i think that's going to happen analogously with apps and communities in the future all right, next up on your bullet point list, theory. Yeah. What's what's theory? Well, that's kind of what I've been talking about is this very, um, this I kind of got into it with the analogy between um, what's happening with social networks and biological ecosystems. Um, one thing I didn't cover, I think, is um, this, uh, it's going back to that theme of the integration of opposites, where like, um, you know, what's the optimal way of governing a social network? Is it is it pure decentralization or is it centralization? And obviously centralization is not the answer. Um, but I think that decentralization is much more complicated. We have to take a look at that and ask, what do we really mean by decentralization? It's like, it's sort of like the question of like, if someone said like, you know, name me an authoritarian country and describe how the government works. You go like, oh, well, that's simple. It's a pyramid. There's one dude and whatever he says is the law. Okay, great. That's very simple. All, all authoritarian countries, authoritarian countries function the same. The thing about democracies or supposed democracies is that, is that there's a lot of different implementations of them. You can't just say there's many, many ways to skin that cat as it were. So we have to think about what do we mean by decentralization? And I think that um, if you look at how an ecosystem works, an ecosystem actually does make use of hierarchies in order to, to get things done. Because the thing about hierarchies is they do get things done. Uh, you you have to ha if you have a good leader who's able to have vision and able to organize people and inspire people, it's much better than having a bunch of people where no one's in charge and there's not a clear direction. And but the problem with that those hierarchies is that if you don't have a way of recovering from failed leadership, then you get way more of a cost than you do a benefit from those hierarchies. And nature has found a way to do that by basically making hierarchies compete over a scarce resource, which is energy. So um, like, you know, if you, even if you think about the way bodies are organized, the tissue in a body, you know, the various tissues of a body are not on the same level in terms of what their importance and their agency. Like your brain, if something happens in, in your brain and you do something really dumb, like walk off a cliff, there's nothing the rest of your body can do about that. So your, your, your bodies are actually organized around the principle of hierarchy. And so I think but but the thing that saves them is that there's not just one body on earth there's like trillions and quadrillions of independently operating ones so the theory that i am sort of thinking about is we need to take extremely literally the analogy of social networks and ecosystems and try to build analogs to those things so we have to build an analog to um bodies corporations and that's what i think the subreddit type functionality is going to be and we also have one thing I haven't talked about yet. That's kind of another aspect of the theory is that we have to build an analogy of t of the to the way that DNA creates a checkpoint of the progress that was created. 
So, and that's kind of circling back to that whole concept of the epoch archive, is that I think that um, in addition to the epochs that are created by satellite that occur every new moon, there, um, communities themselves should have the ability to create archives and create checkpoints so that the people in the community have the ability to fork the community if they don't like the direction of the current leadership. So um, that would look like um, open source software, like open source development. If you, you know, if we, like if Nostra gets into a really huge argument about NIP 94 and we can't figure it out, well, we're going to hard fork. And one of the forks will fail and one will succeed, or maybe they'll both succeed, who knows? But it's much better to be able to do that because you preserve the, the ability, you preserve the value that was created up until that point. Um, and that's the network effect, of course. And, you know, a lot has been said about how no, no, Noster defeats the network effect and makes it to where you can not have to start from zero when you're starting a new thing. And I think that's very powerful. And we should just continue to roll with that. And that's going to be one of the biggest differentiators of this of this structure that we've built. I just want to let the listeners know here, we're with Stuart Bowman. He's got this uh, fantastic uh, app, Satellite. Dot Earth, and he's been explaining some of the uh, features of the app as, as well as um, a lot of the functionality he plans on adding to this app. Uh, really amazing conversation. Uh, so I really appreciate you showing up. I was a uh, renegade. I know you got called up in stage. Is there something you wanted to ask, Stuart? Maybe not. Uh, yeah, no, you're fine. Uh, sorry, I was driving and I just got parked, but uh, I had some thoughts or whatnot. Just yeah. uh, something that he said actually kind of just. Uh, it triggered something in my mind. I figured I'd throw the thought out there because you were talking about how people, you need to look at people as money, but nobody wants to be seen as money, right. but it's a way to, uh, to perceive the value that a person brings yes. to that ecosystem, to that platform. Right. Well, that you said it right there. It's value. Everything mm -hmm. we're doing is value for value. The problem is that what we're used to has devalued us as individual people. We've yes. been told to follow a certain narrative or whatever. And you see Noster, uh, this is a little bit of a rabbit hole, but uh, I think that the idea is that we need to promote people finding their own value again and finding value in other people. We need to promote the actual value of the person rather than people filling a role to find a value. Right now, you see everybody out there trying to be an influencer or do something stupid. People are following these trends and trying to do stuff a specific way instead of doing what they naturally do because they don't see any value in who they actually are. And I see the opposite of that happen in Noster. I see folks actually show up and there's an adaptive period, but they start to just naturally become their best selves. And I think uh, that as you build this up, uh, it's the important thing is that yes, it is an ecosystem. Yes, hierarchies are a thing, but let it be a natural hierarchy too because humans naturally do form those things. Build the systems to promote humans naturally doing what humans do and tribalizing and building their own hierarchies and reward positive behavior in the process. And I think the rest will just sort itself out. Yes, 100. I completely agree with you. We have to create a basically we have to create a market for good leadership. And there needs to be a way that people can get paid and be rewarded for doing a good job striking the balance between um, you know, like everything that's required to to make a functional community. And yeah, there's a reason why humans um, organize themselves into tribes is because that's our normal, that's our natural mode of organization. And we've all been completely atomized by this massive global market, but now we're creating this ecological system and I don't think it can be stopped. We just have to focus on making the infrastructure 
And as you said, people will naturally organize into whatever scale hierarchies is appropriate for a given task. And um, no one can decide that question. That has to be something that answer, is answered by nature. Um, and uh, yeah, to your point about the finding, re, you know, regaining our own value, I I think I take that very uh, sincerely. Like we have to, you know, we're going into a world where, like, even before AI, we we were sort of losing humanity in in, in our sense, in some sense, a little bit, to where like people are becoming just instrumentalized and they're becoming like you know, robbed of agency. And um, I, I think like, that's the bigger picture almost like Bitcoin is a special case of that. It's, you know, the ability to have hard money, but we also need to be able to have like the private keys to our own communities. Like we talk about freedom of speech. Um, I think that freedom of association is also something that's very important. The ability to form groups and form associates and friendships and bonds that are not, um, you know, premised or moderated by some like, uh, uh, like uninformed, um, like higher level uh, manager of that. So yeah, it's definitely a very humanistic enterprise. Um, and uh, there's there's an interesting uh, little connection there with like globalism that I think is kind of worth pointing out that we usually think of globalism as in, in a, you know, sort of a negative way, like authoritarian globalism, which um, is a thing. But again, going back to the integration of opposites, I think that there's also this kind of like, libertarian globalism which is not doesn't get as much airtime but it's like the spirit of the internet in the 90s you know i was a kid so i don't really know but i read about it but like um you know the writing of like john perry barlow and like those people like look at thinking of the internet as like the civilization of the mind um you know it seems like overly utopian but i do think that something like that is lurking under the surface and that it might poke its head out again um if we give it a chance like the ability to just have like a global world where we um, relate to each other on our own terms. Um, and that's um, that's actually kind of the symbology of the satellite's logo with the, the world being eclipsed, is I think that something, there's like a new world that's coming in, so, in some sense. That is, it kind of went underground for a while as the internet transitioned through its corporate centralized period, but it's the, the cracks of our show showing in that. So something else is coming. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's starting to emerge. John Perry Barlow, in addition to being a pioneer on the internet, uh, key contributor to the Grateful Dead songwriting catalog. Yeah, him, and Bob, right. him and Bob Weir that's right. did, a lot, did a lot of work together. Wrote yeah, some great no, tunes. The internet was built by acid heads in its original foundations. That's what's super poetic. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. I was really surprised to learn that. I only learned that recently, actually. That doesn't surprise me too much, man. These are intuitive people, you know. That's the reason why they got well, into the things they got into is because they're they're not afraid to explore and figure yeah. stuff out, you know. And they have an open mind and are willing to learn. Right. It is. And connection and community. Um, let me ask you, Stuart, because I'm fascinated by the 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 name Satellite Earth, and then the as you define the epoch and you know, the timing that aligns with the, the moon cycle. Yeah. So do you have a background or a, a hobby in astronomy or uh, what's um, the connection? I have a, I have a, I have a physics background. Okay. Uh, not, not astronomy in particular. Um, the reason I chose the moon cycle is because it's kind of like a way to pay respect to that idea of um, kind of humanistic globalism that I, that I referenced is that like, you know, if you use calendar time to, as like the timing um, you know, the timing signal, then 
your, I, I, you know, I get, what's the, what's the time zone that you use? I guess you could use Greenwich mean time or something, but I think that it's kind of arbitrary. And so what's interesting about the, the new moon is that it doesn't matter where on the surface of earth you are. Um, the moment of the new moon is always exactly the same because that's just defined as the point in which the earth, sun, and moon are in a straight line, geometrically speaking. So it's a geometric um, definition, which is, I think, kind of poetic and it's beautiful to think because it sort of like speaks to the idea that we really are emerging as a global culture and the first, you know, the first, um, we only see the negative, ugly aspects of this globalist thing, but we can't, you know, we shouldn't forget that there's also potentially a beautiful aspect to it as well. So I'm, I just, I think like we have to bring, you know, hopefully Noster can sort of uh, revitalize that dream of the internet as being this unifying thing. Um, that's that's what that's what the the new moon is about, um, and also eclipse. I guess um, you know eclipses are usually are kind of seen as a warning to leaders historically. So hopefully, satellite and Noster in general can be a warning to people in power that uh, <laughs> the clock's ticking. Because <laughs> I really think that um, I don't think we can be stopped um, from outside people. I think that if we don't succeed, it will be because we you know just give in to like infighting. Um, that's like something that Paul Graham says a lot is that, um, startups, you know, I know Noster isn't a startup, but it is a beginning of something, but he says that startups most often die of suicide, not homicide. So I think we should be less worried about competitors and more worried about, uh, staying unified in our core mission, uh, for now. Speaking of acid heads and eclipses, I, I <laughs> once, uh, last solar eclipse in the States, I went down to Carbondale, Illinois, which is where the, the point where there was a total solar eclipse and I, I jumped up on a rock and I spent all day on a rock and I took a bunch of mushrooms and watched it. So <laughs> yeah, was that the one in 2017? Uh, it sounds about right. Maybe yeah. I, don't know. I was in Oregon for that one. That was, that was awesome. Yeah. I can, yeah. I kind of came down through Oregon. Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah Carbondale was kind of like the, the one spot where they had picked out where it was going to be like directly in line, I guess the best, the best spot to view it. And so I went down there and me and my that's buddy cool. ate a bunch of mushrooms and watched it. <laughs> yeah. That's what you have to do. An eclipse. <laughs> that was wild just seeing everything go completely dark like that in the middle of the day we were kind of like sitting with our shirts off on a rock just kind of baking all day and all of a sudden like the you know the moon lines up and all of a sudden and the sun yeah. lines up and then it's like all of a sudden pitch dark it's like whoa i think it's real light again you know within a matter of seconds so um all right so last thing on the tab light lightning network is that just steps or what's what's this tab oh um well I, I ultimately, um, this is probably going to be one of the last things I roll out um, over the next few months, but I would like to hopefully um, run a lightning node and just try to contribute to the overall lightning system, lightning network, because, um, uh, yeah, I don't want things to become too decentralized. Um, and also, hopefully, maybe offer some services on top of that. I'm not sure what yet, but um, Noster and Lightning Net, Lightning Network are definitely kind of evolving together at this point, so... Um, if I can support that, then that'd be great. Let me ask you, because this has been something that's been discussed a lot lately. What are, what are your thoughts and kind of um, concepts around like audio and video integration in, into Noster? And it, it, is that something, you know, like you said, that it, it's hard to compete against TikTok and those type of things. But, uh, you know, what, what are your thoughts around getting video and audio kind of integrated? Well, so it's funny you mentioned that. I'm actually working on that right now. Um, I'm actually working on adding video hosting to satellite. Uh, 
Yeah. So, That's awesome. Hey, yeah. <laughs> so I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah. So, um, I mean, what you guys are doing here is honestly phenomenal. I think this audio space thing is, is huge and I haven't had a glitch the entire time, which is more than we said for Twitter spaces. So, um, yeah, this is this kind of live audio is amazing. Um, I could see this as being a great way to like generate conversations that then get posted on Noster. So I'd love to have a native hosting solution. Um, I'm currently working on that right now. Um, I actually this connects to NIP94 a little bit. Um, when I was down at the uh, in Nostrica, my hackathon project was actually Noster Torrent, which ended up getting merged into uh, NIP94. So. And, I, and that includes, that's why NIP94 includes the info hash, the torrent info hash as one of the tags that's in there. And so I see, um, the, the, like basically, at least for satellite, um, it's going to be cdn.satellite.earth, and you'll be able to upload videos um, of any size, up to five gigabytes, and you'll be able to just pay for the storage on a monthly basis, pay as you go uh, with sats. So... Um, and, you know, there might be something like I'm a little worried about spam and worried about moderation, but I think that um, maybe having like a, a simple thing where you can have like, you know, like a hundred gigabytes free tier or something and then um, just, you know, pay as much as you need because it's, it's based on Cloudflare, which uh, costs me two cents per gigabyte per month. And the really cool thing about Cloudflare is that it um, they don't charge for egress. They don't charge for uh, bandwidth. So that creates a predictable pricing model to where if I, I can just charge um, what it costs me to host the data plus a you know, small margin, and then people will have really predictable pricing. So if you upload you know, something like, you know, it'll be like something like a dollar a month to be able to host like multiple hour long podcasts. Um, so it could, be, it could be really beneficial, I think. And the good thing about having the torrent um, integration is that it provides like this way uh, not only of censorship resistance, but also the ability to kind of host the data yourself, because that's one of the issues of, you know, content delivery networks is that I think Noster is going to get a lot of like dead links after a while, because the links that are, um, you know, in the immutable signed events can't be changed, they can't be updated. So we need to have metadata of the file so that we can pull that data and repopulate it on a, diff on a different host um, if it becomes necessary. Well, I think I can. I think I can speak for Seth when we say that uh, I think you're going to have a customer in the Bitcoin lobby for your your hosting service. That'd be amazing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it would just be like like literally like cents. I don't know how much gigabytes you guys have, but it wouldn't be that expensive. Um, and um, I hope it would also work with web with WebTorrent too. So like people who are in you know like countries that block Cloudflare, you could just uh, yeah you could load with WebTorrent, load directly from Pierce. Um, and uh, if anyone didn't necessarily even want to, you know, buy the hosting service, they could just drop a file directly into the video player and then start seeding it from their computer. Um, that's what's super cool about WebTorrent is, um, yeah, it's just a torrent client in the browser. I think Seth dropped off. Maybe he disagreed with me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, he might be having problems connecting mm -hmm. audio. Um, yeah, so what are your thoughts on NIP94? I know we kind of touched upon it, like, you know, from a developer's perspective. Uh, um, yeah, so like I said. stuff that's been going on over the past week. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I think NIP, I'm one of the authors of NIP94. I think NIP94 is amazing. Um, I think that, um, so I, I, my implementation, if I, <laughs> if, if it was up to me, I would, I think that 
backwards compatibility is a really good idea. I think at this point, um, Noster can't afford to fracture itself because there's a big question mark of whether we're even going to survive. So I think that it's, I don't, I don't think it's a good idea to sacrifice backward compatibility right now. I, I think the best solution would just be to allow people to sign, um, you know, create NIP94 events when they upload files, and then also just and then just embed the URL in a normal post. I don't see why you couldn't do that, and then just reference the ID of the NIP94 event in the tags of the. Um, you know, of the kind one event. And that's what that's, that's what Fiat Java suggested. That's kind of what we talked about when we were arguing about this on GitHub like three weeks ago. I think it makes the most sense. Um, I, I think that the, um, uh, yeah, I, I think maybe um, Amethyst might have uh, jumped a gun a little bit. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't want to like, you know, demonize that decision. I think it's an experiment. Um, I So I, I can see both sides of it, honestly. Um, I think we should probably try to come to consensus. Um, I'm really looking forward to NIP94 in, in a much broader context than just images. I think that it could be used for, um, for instance, for these epoch archives. Uh, it could be used for like decentralized blob storage. Um, you know, if we're ever going to need to make, if we're ever going to make the decentralized GitHub thing, it's going to need to be blob storage. So we're going to need to have binary blobs of commits that are. It would be ridiculous to have those be a URL and a kind one note because we want to be able to search for those by hash. So we definitely need NIP94. Um, I think for the time being, we should not sacrifice um, backwards compatibility. So I think I agree with Will with Will there. Um, but um, but yeah, um, as far as NIP95 goes, um, uh, you know, the storing files on relays themselves, I think that is absolutely insane, and I can't believe we're even considering that. Yeah, I was um, just gonna. I was just gonna ask you about that. How how do you think the relay operators feel about this? <laughs> oh, it's ridiculous. I think it's gonna make it prohibitively expensive to operate a relay, and not only that, but it's going to expose relay operators to a huge amount of legal liability because what's gonna stop someone from just like uploading tons of child porn? Like, okay, next thing you know, you're gonna have the FBI coming. Like, honestly, to me, it sounds. It seems it's like it's an attack on Noster. Like, if I was a relay operator, I would be blocking NIP95 events right now. Um, cause I don't want my relay to be basically like, it's the same, you know, if this is like the JPEGs thing, like, great, we're going to fill up the entire Noster thing with JPEGs. And it, I, I don't know. I just think why, why don't we separate metadata from data? Um, because you know, it's not indexable on when it's in a giant, you know, blob of, uh, you know, um, base 64 encoded data. And not only that, but you pay a 33% penalty for in terms of file size every time you base 64 and code something. So you're making it less efficient. And, um, you know, due to the redundant way that Nostra works, where like when your client, you know, connects to like 10 relays and it pulls all the same events mostly from from them, are you going to, why are you going to download a file 10 times? Right. Like hey. that's insane. Yeah. <laughs> like just get the metadata, man. Like I don't, I'm not sure, quite sure what, um, uh, Vitor's uh, thinking about that. Dude, but, I blew um, through. I blew through seventy-seven gigabytes of data on Amethyst last year or last month on my mobile, and I only had between six and nine relays. I didn't have like thirty relays. Like, yeah. <laughs> and like, okay, I, I, I think there's maybe sort of an argument to be made for using that for like, you know, maybe like little profile thumbnails that are like fifteen kilobytes or maybe or I don't know. I know, but, yeah. like, but like, okay, so. 
images, like what about videos? What happens when you upload a hundred gigabyte podcast, or no, let's say a one gigabyte podcast? Are you going to download that in Base64 from 10 different relays? No. Is there, there's no such thing as streaming Base64 data. You just can't, you can't do that. So to me, it's completely unworkable from a technical standpoint. Um, but um, so, yeah. I don't. I don't think that idea is going to last very long. Um, Dip ninety four. Um, you know, I'm. I see both sides of it. I'm going to go ahead. And, going ahead. Going to implement the backwards compatibility thing, um, just for the sake of not, you know, creating fractures in the Nostra community. Even though it might be a little more complicated, but yeah, that's that's pretty much where I stand on it. How do you feel? One last thing on Dip ninety five. How do you feel about like the centralization aspect on the relay operators? For me, because it, it's going to get to a point where if it, you'd need to be running some pretty large data centers, I would think. Yeah, no, it's gonna it'll be a centralizing force. Um, yeah, it's it's a terrible idea. <laughs> yeah. What's the um, the pathway or, or like the long term plan? Could is is this uh, something that could be developed into a mobile application? Satellite. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would. I would love to make a native app. Um, I'm just, as you might have gleaned, um, I've got a lot of projects on the burner right now. Busy. Yeah. Um, I um, yeah. If I, if given the time uh, and or money, I would absolutely love to make a, honestly, a, cl a cross platform app, uh, maybe with like Flutter or something, because um, I have I already have so much JavaScript code. I could probably kind of figure out to figure out the design. Um, so yeah, I would love to implement satellite, um, as a, uh, as a native application. Um, I don't know how long that would take. I, I have done, um, both Android and iOS apps in the past. Um, but you know, it's been a couple years, so probably have to get back into it. But, uh, yeah, we'll see what happens this year. I don't know. It's going to be a lot. Well, man, I don't want to, we've already hit the hour and a half mark. Wow. How time flew by. I don't want to steal most of your, too much of your evening. What, oh, uh, yeah, all the time in the world, guys. This is a super oh, cool. fun conversation. Nice. Um, does anyone else want to come up from the audience and maybe ask some questions or? Yeah, pitch some ideas. I mean, we like to, uh, we, we frame it as open source nesting. So we've uh, had a lot of these conversations over a lot of hours and oftentimes a lot of great ideas come out of it. And it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's fun just sort of being able to get, together and just you know bs and and then eventually some some great things come of it so but yeah it's been awesome Stuart, learning uh, about satellite uh, earth and and uh, the, the the future and the roadmap it's i i think it, you're on to something big and i'm uh, happy to support you and and keep uh using it as a client and uh, can't wait for the evolution of it yeah thanks a lot yeah and if anyone else just has any ideas please dm me um i i would love to hear them um feel like uh satellite is not obviously it's it's kind of a lot different than the other clients um it's kind of its own unique weird bird <laughs> but uh so i'm not i'm open to to very to, to kind of anything you might any ideas you might have um it's it's really exciting to hear about people using it um it's really rewarding to to know that your code is running on the different side of the world and people are interacting with it it's 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 a lot of fun um so yeah i really appreciate the opportunity to uh talk about it and stuff it's been so fun tomorrow uh 
you want to talk, just mention one more time what you're going to be releasing tomorrow for, for everyone? Yeah, so I'm releasing the full source code of Satellite uh, tomorrow. Um, I'm, uh, I've been modularizing it, cleaning it up, um, trying to document a little bit just so it's actually useful to people. Um, so I'll be releasing that. And then I'm also releasing this, uh, this relay that I created, just like a real simple Node.js relay implementation um, that I used uh, to develop um, to help my, to help me develop satellite, um, you know, so I could have it running on my local machine and actually get access to the backend logs. So hopefully that'll also help um, some developers working on clients. So yeah, that'll be that'll be tomorrow. Awesome, man. Well, this conversation was freaking fascinating. Kind yeah, of blowing my mind here. You got giving me so much to, to stew on right now. <laughs> Yeah, it's been it's been it's been fun, guys. This is like this this Noster Nest is. I actually never um, I haven't uh, this is the first time I've uh, I mean I know this exists, but it's the first time I've interacted with it. It's just like so well uh, designed and it's simple. I think it's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> dude. Well, hey, we're gonna be able to zap. So, well, you can zap now if uh, you're connected through GetAlby. You can zap the the nest, and I think there's some some plans to kind of uh modify that to split content and that's super cool or split the uh zaps and stuff with the devs and cr yeah. uh, the moderators and stuff so yeah yeah derek ross and semi soul run this site and they they got some pretty big plans for it it's just a just a matter of getting the free time to kind of put it put it into uh implementation so yeah for sure. yeah so uh well let's open it up i i mean Puzzles, go ahead, man. Hey, I got some uh, background noise. Hopefully, it's not too bad. Some jackhammering going on outside. Um, you know, we were talking about. Well, I wanted to comment on a few things, but one of them was, you know, the, the relays and and you know this the NIP ninety four and ninety five discussion, mm -hmm. and we were talking about, you know, maybe like having um domains where where users could host their own files yeah um do you think that's a good solution to uh the problem here because it seems like you know we don't want to centralize where the files are located in like a place like imager or um Noster build and um we don't want to overburden the relay operators um so it's you know, we can make it simple enough for people to host their own images and videos and audio files on their own domain. Oh. Is that something worth looking into? Um, I mean, you can do that currently with it at NIP94. Um, there's a URL tag that you can put in your, any URL you want. So if you want to set up your own host, you can do that. Um, and you can also host it directly from uh, your computer on a torrent client um, because it includes the info hash and the torrent magnet link. So yeah, NIP94 already has multiple options to self-host. Um, NIP95 does not. NIP95 is a giant blob of base64 that's going to burden the relays. So don't. I, I hope no one gets confused between those two because I think one of them is a great idea and the other one is a terrible idea. <laughs> Just uh, to be clear. Right. Yeah, I'm kind of getting them both mixed up. There's so many nips, man. Yeah. I, I I think that's another thing that was recently discussed. You know, slow down the creation of these things. But yeah. Um. Yeah, just wondering, like, like, um, it's not easy to do if you're not familiar with code and DNS settings and stuff. Yeah. So, 
I mean, is that like an area of focus that that is needed right now to like make self-hosting easier with with this Snip ninety four, correct? Uh, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, you could set up a Amazon S three bucket. Um, that's basically what Nostra Build did. Um, it's a it's a front end for an S three bucket. Um, or you can use Cloudflare R two. Uh, you could use DigitalOcean Spaces. Um, there's there's a few cheap. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so I'm like thinking of like, you know, how can how can we implement this in a way where like an average user can do this, so they don't have to go set up a container and they can just kind of register an email address and 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 have this access well i mean that's kind of what i'm trying to do like i don't not sure when you popped into here but i uh was talking before about how i'm building a a, a cdn currently for satellite where you'll be able to upload any files you want um and get an nip94 event back and then you'll be able to just pay for storage like pay as you go with sats and it'll be real cheap so that'll be um probably the simplest Kind of like turnkey implementation that would allow a non-coder to do that to self-host. It's not. It's not still not self-hosting, but it's a very very thin wrapper over um, the CDN infrastructure that is payable in Sats. So I'm going to try to put that together. Um, beyond that, um, you know, you can sign up for any. Um, I, I don't think you have to be um, necessarily a programmer to get um, you know object storage from some provider. Um, there's even real cheap options. I think what's that one like Bunny CDN or there's some of them that have actually no um, no limit on um, uh, egress. You just get throttled after a while, so that's an option. No, that's cool. Yeah, I, I, I I've been listening the whole time. I guess I didn't. I wasn't familiar. What does a CDN even stand for? And with with your solution, would would the user actually own that data or would you be like hosting it for them? Would they have their own, you know, domain that they can access and, and view this stuff or? No, a content CDN is content delivery network. It's just a big beefy network of servers that are located close to the clients that send them heavy data. So um, the, uh, that's like the reason why I pushed for the inclusion of the torrent info hash in NIP 94 is for exactly that reason you mentioned, which was so that the person who is having their file hosted has some kind of recourse to get their file if it ever goes offline. So the idea is, I I think of the torrent as being kind of like a fallback mechanism that like under normal circumstances, when a CDN is functioning, then, you know, we are getting really, it's really fast and it's immediate and it works on mobile and it is, you know, as good or better than um, Twitter. And, you know, we need to, to actually have like really good UX if Nostra is going to succeed, but we want to have this, but like with the torrent thing, it's like sort of a break glass in case of censorship kind of situation where it's like, all right, this is, I'm getting a 404 time to load from web torrent. And then if that's the case, if, if, you know, if some host completely goes offline, then like the way I'm planning on working with satellite is it'll be like cdn.satellite.earth slash info hash. So the info hash will be the path name of the file. So that way, if in the future, for some reason, satellite completely goes offline, then people will be able to pull those files from a torrent network and then set up their own CDN, like my CDN dot whatever slash info hash. And then clients will just be able to do like a replace and then, and then just like replace the host name that went offline with the new host and then still be able to get the same files. So that's that's one option. Um, 
I think it could work. That, that's cool. I, I like that. Yeah. Just like resilience, then, like a recovery mechanism. Yeah. No, like definitely have a fail-safe mechanism in yeah. place to, you know, for last-ditch last effort. Like if you have to take your stuff and go somewhere else, you have that option. Yeah. Um, and then like my last thing was I know that you said that you were open to comments on satellite.earth. I was yeah. on there playing around. And one thing I've been a fan of is like these um, chat extensions or like, you know, just having like these kind of live chats, but maybe just for like your client. So like you have to be on um, satellite to be able to chat or something that could be cool or like you know, um, chats for different threads. That would be kind of tricky because I don't know of any way of knowing who's on satellite. Um, I don't know of any way of detecting that. Um, I mean, that is there, that is a really one way that could work. Um, like what I was talking about with the sub the sub communities earlier is you could have a sub community specific direct message pool. Basically, I mean, obviously that that would be an issue because they're encrypted to a specific person. So you could have like a public unencrypted chat, maybe um, that was specific, kind of like a Telegram group. I mean, that'd be that'd be fun. Um, it'd be even better if those messages were peer to peer and didn't have to go through relays. Um, that's one thing that I think would be cool is establishing, you know, because if I if I have WebTorrent automatically, you know, if I have if I have WebTorrent in, integrated in satellite anyway, WebTorrent uses WebRTC, so it's already connecting to trackers and um, stun servers and and you know, creating WebRTC connections to other clients. So I think it would be cool to just send messages um, peer to peer. Um, you know, or maybe just use a relay to establish a connection. Um, that that's maybe one future thing, and it would actually in, increase the privacy too, because you wouldn't be able to have like this giant honeypot of metadata sitting on relays of who talked to who. So, yeah. Yeah, group messages would be, I think, is a must-needed feature. Yeah. Um, for like all clients, but yeah, that's probably another nip, right? I mean, that's a really good idea. I, I think that's. Yeah, that's a really, that's, damn, I should, I should write that down. That's, yeah, that's what like, we call open source nesting, yeah. man. That's why yeah. we're here. No, that's, that's actually solid. I mean, I think if you had a global chat for the entire Noster ecosystem, it might not be super functional. I mean, it could be, but if you had, I think it would, that where that would really shine is like subreddit, subcommunity type constructs where you have like a chat room for, I mean, I, Reddit tried to do that but they just failed because they suck at implementing stuff. <laughs> but um, if you did it in a really cool way with Noster, I mean, yeah, that would be amazing. Especially, I mean, you could, e you could even add voice. Um, if you, you know, WebRTC would just be direct. So I don't know. That's, that's something someone should implement that. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Well, like another thing is like, you know, um, I think there's like a, a, a bunch of people here in the audience, Renegade and, you know, some others. Um, you know, we were trying to figure out, like, how to, you know, contribute more since we're not coders and, you know, don't really interact with command line and, and that type of stuff. And, um, you know, just kind of learning more about the process of, of integrating NIPs and, like, how to kind of make these web apps would be helpful, too. If, that's probably for another day, but um, maybe in the next lobby or something we can... Uh, you know, get into how guys like us, like I know Bevo's got his own site, Renegade, um, yeah. and um, just like learning how we could throw together a web app and, and try to put stuff together would be cool. 
Yeah, I mean, that's one of those things that would be a great use case for a subcommunity is like a nip ideas thing for non-coders. Because, you know, we have GitHub, so you can raise an issue on GitHub and you can create a pull request. But um, if you could have like a more general conceptual space where people could just throw ideas out, that'd be great. I mean, that's I think that's what Noster is trying to do with the hashtags is it's trying to create some kind of like um, uh, differentiation amongst content. But it'd be really nice if you could actually have like a specific discussion board devo devoted to a specific topic. I think that would greatly increase like retention of users. Um, so yeah, that'd be, that'd be awesome. This is, this is kind of like, this is why it's like one of my favorite parts of being early to things like this is because like, if you have an idea, you know, I know developers have an open ear and are willing to listen and want, and want to, you know, create cool things that people want. And so it's like, you could actually be like, Hey, that was my idea. Like we, we used it, you know, and so like, you might not necessarily yeah. know how to execute or whatever, but you know, you at least maybe, you know, led the horse to water, I guess, so to say. And so I know and people on, you could actually get credit for it on Nostra too, because there's this immutable public record of your idea, you know, time stamped. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah, I those, think like, we're, yeah, we're just trying to come up with, it's, it's definitely a fountain of ideas at this point. Organizing, of, organizing is the hard part. A lot of people just want to come in when the water's warm and everything's built out and it's not buggy and there's not, you know, <laughs> it's not rough around the edges they want like a smooth experience like to me i like all this stuff like i like the fact that there are devs arguing earlier in the week about um nips and that we don't have we still don't have you know a full ecosystem built out and that people can't actually you know make comments and developers are willing to listen and be like yeah that's a great idea i'll do that let's do that you know and it's like no it's super exciting yeah it's, just, it's such a unique thing i mean you can't like this doesn't happen all the time right Especially yeah. something that's going to be this big, right? Like, this is kind of wow. similar to me. I feel like I wasn't at, in Bitcoin back in 2012, 2013, some of the early years. But yeah. I feel like, to me, this is kind of like my second chance to be in on something this early at the ground floor that's going to be no, a I huge think so too. And if it, doesn't seem, if it doesn't seem ridiculous and hopeless at some points, then you know you're not really, you're not early. Right, <laughs> like, exactly. That's, if you, you're, the feeling of resistance means you're doing something that um, is, is useful and powerful. Um, yeah, I mean, we're seeing, we've definitely seen a little lull in Nostra activity in the last week or so, but I think that like, you know, with like the launch of Blue Sky and everything, but I think like it's, it's exactly this type of like bear market type thing. And, you know, it seems silly to say that cause it's been literally a week, but this little lull, I think that's exactly when you have to double down and just keep building because that's when you, you know, we basically need to be ready for the next big you know, the next time Elon does something dumb with Twitter and everyone gets pissed off and is looking for an alternative, we need to be like the spider web with its nest, just like all sticky, just like, yeah, like we're going to retain these users now. Like, um, yeah, it's it's about like positioning ourselves, I think. You know, there are always going to be events that occur that are going to bring waves of adoption in. And yeah. just, just to get, it's just a given considering the, the way the uh, legacy ecosystem set up. And so it's just one of those things we just got to be ready for to, to bring in the, to welcome the traffic and, and give them something yeah. that, that makes them want to stay here and, and continue to uh, use the, the overall ecosystem. Yeah, exactly. Because, and that's the thing about, I, I wish that's a really important thing for the, you know, devs to remember is like, we, if, if Noster succeeds, we are all going to win. <laughs> so let's right. make sure that happens. <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's, that's where I'm at with it. Um, I don't even say if I say when, 
Because I yeah. just know the the incentives are there, man, and it aligns. So right. it's like humans are just going to ultimately follow the incentives. They might come, they might come over kicking and screaming, but they're, eventually they're going to get here. And it's just a it's, matter. It's of time. a better. It's a better system, and yeah, you got to flush out all the gamblers and you know get get all that out of the way. Unfortunately, but. Hundred percent. Hey, Renegade. I know you had to end up a while. Sorry. Sorry. Thanks for being so patient. What's up? Uh, you're good, man. You're good. Hey, I just wanted to kind of throw my hat in uh, just as a absolutely on the group chat type thing. Mm. Uh, just community groups. That's going to be huge, especially uh, if you've got some sort of a way to, and I hate to, to say it this way, but to gatekeep and do content, content control because there needs to be availability of private groups and permission levels. That's going to have to naturally just kind of evolve with this. I, I know earlier today there was a big discussion Someone had commented on Telegram, and I think Jack had even uh, quoted their their post and said, their note, pardon me, and it said that uh, well, why are people still even using Telegram? And I had responded, said uh, because this doesn't replace Telegram yet, because this doesn't do what Telegram does yet. Right now, nothing does what Telegram does better than what Telegram does. You might be able to get by on some signal groups and stuff, but to have a well managed, active group of people that are all focused on a particular topic, it's it's top dog right now. I have two very active Telegram groups that uh, that I manage, and I'm involved in five or six other ones. I would love to see them on Noster. I'd love to bring those people to Noster. I'd love, I think it's going to be, I, I see it in a year or two being over on Noster. We're just not there yet. Yeah. So I think we have to remember that, yes, we're very bullish on this idea. We love this platform, uh, this protocol, but it's not it's not everything yet. I think that's going to be as important as bringing in like streaming and audio chat and everything else like that is the ability to to maintain and manage groups and tribes. And I think that's kind of in line with a lot of what you're thinking with uh, Satellite Earth too. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think that one of the, the biggest, uh, the, the worst feature on Nostra is it's DMs right now, like it's direct messages. And uh, I know that everyone kind of knows that. Not, uh, you know, I, I listen to that podcast with uh, Fiat Jeff and MVK and those guys, and they they were kind of indicating that, um, you know, it, it's just not set up for that. It, it you know, it's just kind of the obvious thing. And there are other applications, and it's just kind of like not a priority, at least in that regard. Uh, but uh, with enough time, I guess um, everything gets fixed. Yeah, I think um, something I, uh, it was Rabble, I think, who was telling me that he thinks that the best solution would be um, this thing called messaging layer security. Um, and I haven't dug in completely to the spec yet, but I think that um, it is something that we should take a hard look at. Um, and maybe someone who knows more about this can, can try to verify this. Um, but uh, I think we should get this right because you know, met, like defeating mass surveillance is like, that's not an optional thing. Um, you know, because Noster solves the problem of data ownership. It solves the problem of um, censorship, you know, to an extent. But the surveillance thing is, it's another problem that we, we, we can't neglect. So yeah, we definitely need to fix the DMs. But yeah, for the time being, it's, it's definitely cool to just do it, at least to get the UI done. Um, cause that, that took me like a week is, you know, building, like I, I just published satellites DM implementation like a few days ago. So at least, at least we're getting the, the front end UI stuff and we can swap out the back end once we, once better things become available. 
Well, we're at that point, and and I guess it, it's really a blessing. You know, we have a low user count, and because you know Facebook's motto "move fast and break things," uh, it, it's over here. We need to start because everything was moving so fast. It's it's more like we need to slow down and make things more resilient. Yeah, I know, and I think one of the one of the best things Nostra has going for it is a uh, Fiat Joff's. Uh, very, he, he seems really good at hurting cats. Uh, <laughs> so, I mean, including myself, because I that yeah. was in the original Dip ninety four discussion. It was just like people going in four different directions at any given moment. So, it's um, yeah, it is a it is a squirrely uh, situation right now. <laughs> but I do have faith that we will um, reach consensus if we just keep a sense of humor about it. Um, yeah. Well, that's it. I mean, you got to challenge the boundaries and then you got to understand where they are and then you got to align at, at some point. Uh, and I'm with you. I, I think it it's good to kind of test the waters in, in different directions. And, you know, that's the whole point of having open source competition and uh, being able to like uh, compete in the free market. It's I, I think it's fantastic. But yeah, yeah it, it, it feels a little you know, one day we'll uh, all be laughing about this uh, someday. No, I'll yeah, remember that. I mean, yeah. I can still think like, I mean, I, I can think that NIP 95 is a absolutely terrible idea. And at the same time, appreciate, uh, you know, Vitor for trying it. <laughs> I, I think it's going to crash and burn. But you know what? You got to be bold sometimes. We'll see what happens. I've done dumb things too, you know. Um We'll find out. Like, I, I don't think that, you know, we, we need to keep a sense of humor about this and not get like, you know, not get too worried and start like, you know, I don't, even though I think Noster's better than Blue Sky, I don't think we need to demonize Blue Sky. I don't think we need to do that. We just need to focus on our strengths, you know, and um, yeah, there, maybe there's room, there's definitely room for a LinkedIn kind of social media and there's people who want that. Might not be the same people who want Noster and that's fine. <laughs> No, I think I think we're definitely uh, we're all all on the right track. I mean, there's a there's a feeling to it too. I mean, like you, I feel I, I said it's like the magnet pulling you in the in the direction. Uh, you know, I'm partially obsessed with it, and I, I think most people are who are at least here. And it's 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 interesting, um, you know, in concept because. You know what? What? What is that driving force? It's it's you know it's probably the moon or something like that coming <laughs> back to satellite Earth. But um, you know, I I just think it's a uh, one of those. Uh, I, I just I'm fascinated by like times and opportunities aligning in history, and it, yeah. you know it's happened so many times over and over again, and uh, we're just in one of those moments. And I'm just uh, very grateful to be kind of part of this, at least in my minimal role here, and. But I love this audio application. I think it's it's so much different than Spaces because we're like it's a, a construct of network. We're we're building and we're having building community. Yeah. We're doing these things. We're like Twitter's all about like oh what's the war in Ukraine? It's a lot of macro talk and yeah. I spent a lot of hours on that and it just wasn't that constructive. You know, it, it sent me in a doomer loop and. Uh, and like coming over here, it's just so community oriented and, um, you know, just focus forward. Like, I don't even think about that stuff anymore. I'm just like, 
oh, all this crap in the news. I'm like, oh, I, I, I honestly had no idea. I wasn't even paying attention because yeah, no, it's just like fake. Like it's just like yeah. okay, that's a that's a very weird. It, that's just like one lens on reality that you can take if you want to. You know, it's that's that's the blessing in disguise of the news. Just you know, mainstream news just digging its own grave. You know, at this point, we're we're living in this like state of like post postmodernism in some sense where people are just like what are we like you know you know like what is the counterculture in now like well you know maybe, maybe the, the original counterculture that we think of is like in the 60s and 70s you know the acid heads who built the internet those people you know well they're all aging out now and you know so what how do we counter that thing that has kind of gone stale that's kind of gone to seed you know well in some sense it's like now we just need culture we're living in a vacuum we're living in, we don't need to counter anything. We don't need to fight. We need to build, you know, we need to only fight to the extent that we are able to get, to create space for ourselves to build a better version and not fight for the sake of fighting or fight for the sake of proving something. Like, um, that's what I love about Noster is it just feels like we want to succeed, you know, like we're focused on the positive aspect in the sense that we want something, we're trying to bring something new into existence. Um, and Twitter, you know, like you said, is all just about comparing and contrasting. It's all, it's very negative and it's, and it's way of talking about things because everyone there is just talking about, um, they're trying to stake out some kind of ideological zone. And I'm like, you know, Noster, I don't know what these people are on Noster. It's a weird cross section of people. That was what I thought about the Noster conference is like, it's an amazing blend of like the yellow flag, libertarian, purple hair, hippie yoga, permaculture, like who are these people and why are they all getting along with each other? Why is it so, why is there so much love here? You know, it's because we have a mission and all that other stuff is just like dumb fake divisions. And anyways, like, I mean, that's what I think is hopeful about it. So yeah, it's whenever you find that integration of opposites and that unification of people who should be enemies, but are actually working together, it's really inspiring. Yeah, it's like Nostra is like this ecosystem where we're all kind of getting together to build a skyscraper. Whereas like Twitter is an ecosystem where, uh, the skyscraper is being bombed and destroyed, right? So yeah. You get this, yeah. the mentalities are just so polar opposite. And right now we just like collectively have like this focus, this building focus. And, and you know, when human beings can kind of get together to create and build together, like the sky's the limit, like figuratively and literally. And so, yeah, it's just great. It's just great to be in the, in the constructive ecosystem versus uh, being stuck over in the destructive ecosystem. Yeah, yeah. Growth, growth creates health. If you're not growing, then you're, you're dying, you know, then like, you have all this, you're more vulnerable to parasites, and you're more vulnerable to all these things going wrong. But if you're expanding, and then you know, you, I think it provides like a measure of health in some sense. So we, we got to stay on that track and keep momentum. Um, yeah, that's how we're, I think we're going to succeed. Yeah, yeah we're definitely Go ahead, but I was gonna say I personally can't find myself getting negative over uh, all the developments that have been going on on a daily basis and everything that's being built out. It's just I'm like in a, a state of uh, wonderment, you know. Like it's just been absolutely it's incredible buzzing. to see how fast. <laughs> yeah, buzzing exactly. Like since since I discovered this in like mid December or whenever, Jack kind of made that famous tweet that kind of brought the first kind of wave of people over. Yeah, uh, it's just been every day. Every day has just been like talking about something new, or maybe we can come up with this new idea, or maybe we can do this, or let's do that, or like look no, at this new client, or look at all these new features. Oh, zaps! Holy crap! Or you know, like, yeah, it's really heady. It's it's very like uh, 
it's a it's a kind of vibe that you don't find in the normal world these days. You know, where you, everything's boxed in and kind of proscribed, and uh, there's a dysfunctional bureaucracy sitting on top of every opportunity. Like, you know, <laughs> this is like a frontier, a wide open ecosystem that. You know, right now we're building it in this like kind of free frontier of bits right now. But my hope is that eventually, hopefully as soon as we can, we'll reconnect this to the world of atoms and start like connecting this back to the earth and to physical communities. I mean, I would love to see like a maps type thing on Noster where you could like find people in physical space. Like that would be very powerful. I think we should, you know, we, we got to get the infrastructure done first, but this uh, definitely is not limited to virtual interactions because it's just a new way of encoding culture. It, that is more defensible against like people who try to you know a, a appropriate culture for others the purposes of other systems what are some of the most popular games that they have kids playing these days that they go insane over world uh, things like minecraft why because it's an open ecosystem where people can go and they can build anything yep. that's what we have here we just have a, a a way for real people to go and actually start building and interact with other real people instead of it being gamified. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it kind of is gamified, though, with like Zaps, you know, it's like create good content, come up with good ideas, inspire yourself to, to, to reach the best of your uh, mentality and, and put pen to paper, so to say, and you'll get rewarded with Zaps. And so it kind of it is in a way kind of gamified, right? <laughs> I know. I love it in a way, but it's it's value instead of actually just just whatever little points in a game or whatnot. It's actually real value. So right, exactly. Even better in my mind, that makes it that makes it more than a game to me. That makes yeah. it makes it more real because there's something tangible involved. There's something r real that you can take outside of that ecosystem and has value somewhere other than just inside their little box. It's like the incentives of Minecraft on steroids. <laughs> yeah. Well, exactly. People just work seem to thrive too. in that environment because it's a natural, normal human thing to want to be creative and to be free. You know, people want that. They just don't always know, know how to, or there's not nothing facilitating them to do so. so yeah, just opening the doors back up. Yeah, people just want to be seen for who they are. They want to have a role. They want to be valued. They want to feel secure and having a function and a place in society. We all want to be loved behind the M pub. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm more than just the sexy in pub. <laughs> uh, so what else is going on? Liminal, I, I want to bring you up. I don't know if you want to talk about your concept. Uh, I've had some exchanges with him regarding um, kind of a Wikipedia idea on Nostra. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if uh, you're, you're uh, able to kind of run through at least the overview of that if, if you're cool with that not to put you on the spot but yeah i mean sure um so i'm not super technical technically savvy in terms of web development um most of my programming is more like simulation like math stuff um but i i found a problem with like um it's it's not it's not a brand new problem with you know like wikipedia centralized um the writers and the editors are um you know we don't really know who they are and they're supposedly doing it for free but likely you know for a specific page that they're getting paid for it uh paid for cur curating the um the content and there's only one article per topic 
and um, I've, I've just been interested in like, how can we kind of change that? Um, and then also recently, like with AI, um, like I'm not against AI by any means, but I think that, you know, you know, just right now there's a problem where it's, it's not really a problem, but like if, you know, the scenario of, you know, I want to send an email to my boss. So here's a bullet point, tell AI to turn it into an email or turn, tell it, turn it into like five paragraphs. And then the boss will read the email and say, oh, this is a long email. Well, AI, can you turn this into a few bullet points? Um, and there's, you know, other stuff with like bias and like how it's knowledgeable on the things that it's trained on and being um, confidently wrong. And this kind of like, you know, learning about uh, Nostra has been really interesting to me and I will want to like contribute something to it. Um, and I think that having some sort of knowledge base, I, I think rather than calling it uh, an alternative Wikipedia, but um, so it, I think it's almost like a superset of like of that stuff, like Wikipedia, um, maybe even if people want to put tutorials or documentation. Um, the, the general structure is that um, take any type of article, um, technical documentation, and turn it into essentially index cards, or, um, which is like a paragraph, two paragraphs that can have a, its own title, like every, every paragraph has a title for, um, you, you can have a title for a paragraph. And you mix the concepts of Wikipedia with the other uh, personal note-taking method called the Zettelkasten, which um, means slip box. So there was a old analog, there was an analog system where you can, um, a researcher was able to essentially take down notes and, and, and make them atomic in the sense that um, every single note that he was writing referenced something outside and it also linked to other, um, to other notes and everything on that index card was um, just a single idea that represented the, um, the, that represented the content that he was trying to talk about. And I think by taking that and applying it to uh, just like, rather than having a personal um, knowledge base, it's more of a collective knowledge base where you're actually writing and representing your stuff compactly so that way it's easy to navigate. Um, and, you know, different relays can host special, like their own specialized content. There can be free relays, uh, private relays where maybe a lab would just say, I want to host my documentation or I want to um, um, write about these specific contents and then the lab can talk about them on that relay, but other relays can um, interact in the sense by making commentary notes to their, to their article content or their documentation and, um, or, or like other types of specific knowledge management, like, like you can have a reference card. So if you have some obscure term that, uh, maybe not obscure, but you have some sort of vocabulary term that um, you, you use a lot in your own, your own writings um, and other people don't really understand that. Well, then other people, uh, you can have an index card that is linking to that, um, to that note that is just not just, not a full page article definition, but it could just be 
the word and then um, the definition, like a flashcard. And that can be abstracted to, you know, kind of doing math problems. So, like, you know, it's just mm -hmm. like things to, um, to practice with. And I think that, um, yeah, it's just something real, I'm, I'm really interested in, in building and I'd like to, um, I'm going to be basically putting my summer work, my, my summer effort into learning web development. I'll probably be submitting a NIP to um, specify this stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a really, um, that, that reminds me, I have a, I have a couple of thoughts about that, actually. Um, that's something that I think that connects really well with the idea of sub-communities on Noster. Because sub-communities, um, you can see the way that they are already sort of being used as sources of truth. Um, you know how like when you Google something, people always like append sort of you know, like Reddit at to the end of their search query because they don't want to get a bunch of blog spam. They want to find a forum where presumably credible people are talking about something like what supplements you should buy or like what car you should get or whatever, you know, whatever it is. You, you Communities are sort of like the forges that kind of like create consensus, uh, truth, credibility, um, information, you know, they're like fountains of information and something like that, uh, like creating a wiki could be like sort of like the mission that a sub community has, like, how do we create an asset that is useful? That is sort of like the sum, the product of the, um, interactions that we're having here. And, um, you know, there's a lot of data that you could use to pull into that. And that, that's something that AI could actually be useful for is that like, if you can just come up with a system that allows some signal of credibility and spam deterrence and trust to exist while people talk about some subject, you can have AI synthesize and generate nicely written articles about that. So like the process of translating truth or let's say cred credible information into words is kind of commoditized by AI. Um, the thing that's valuable is the like uh, information itself and whether or not you can trust it. So um, that's something that's really interesting, like a wiki app. Um, and what's really cool about this is that, you know, like if I go ahead and build this on satellite and people can make a little wiki, that's just events. That'll be, in there, you know, there'll be a NIP for that or maybe we'll reuse some existing NIP, but that is just a data set. And you could create like a dedicated app that's like a wiki app that just pulls in all those events. So, I mean, that could be really powerful. And um, yeah, I totally agree. Wikipedia is like a psyop at this point. So we definitely need an alternative um to uh so that's that's a super cool idea like um uh, so one of the things that i was I'm, I'm i'm planning on is like how do we curate this kind of incentive structure and this is where the uh the nip specification would be important because you can have you can rather than just kind of saying oh this is this is the truth this is the article and this is the references um I, I think it's important to have commentary on that content. So you can have two types of notes, essentially. There's the article, um, the article content that if, you know, if you actually want to create a long form article, well, you can actually compose it out of these index cards, or um, it can be a collaborative article where it, there is, there's a linear structure, but for every like, every subtopic in there you might even have multiple perspectives on that like if you want to talk about um psychology right there you can have the perspective of um you know the emotions from a psychologist to a to a neuroscientist like different different notes that are, that are talking about um that have they're talking about the same thing but different perspectives 
And then later on top of that is commentary where it's, they would essentially highlight uh, an area within that article note and say, you know, I, I agree, I disagree, as opposed to something that's gamified, like a like system. And so you can have people that are, it, it just, I think that something like that will incentivize more um, good faith um, conversation um, where it's like, it's not that this is good or this is bad. Um, this, you know, maybe the, maybe the content is good, but as a neuroscientist, I actually disagree or, um, mm. uh, or maybe the, the references on this note are not as credible, or maybe your inter interpretation of the references are not so, uh, uh is not you know, valid. Um, and I think another interesting part would be, um, kind of like a, a, a poll request where you can have a commentary note and say, this is, this is a perfectly, um, under, this is a great note that you've written. Um, but maybe you're, maybe you're missing a crucial aspect on here. And so, um, I could write my own note, but I think it, it works well with, with your stuff. So I'm going to contribute this idea with, um, these references and then, uh, essentially the original article note can disappear if the, the author wants, um, wants that and a new note will be created with two different authors. And you can essentially see kind of an evolution of a field or, uh, of some idea over time. Yeah. No, totally. I mean, it sounds like you're describing like a governance mechanism for mm -hmm. creating Wikipedia. Um, and I think it's really important. It's a huge problem that needs to be solved. Um, I think it's basically, it's another, I, I look at that as a, a looking at the community problem from a different angle mm -hmm. because communities are going to obviously create expertise and um, being able to do, have like a process for w uh, editing Wikipedia where there can be sort of like forked and there's like a market that can kind of speak and give a verdict about which version is best. Um, and to create some kind of consensus is super important. So yeah, the implementation details are, there's a million ways to do it, but um, I, I think the, the question you raise is, is very important. I really like how granular that idea is, that you can drill down and look at an individual note. Um, and then you can open that up and go down and look at every reply to that individual note. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, and base your opinion of that individual's, you know, contribution on the consensus and, and you know, what they're, what they attribute it to and everything. Um, but the other thing that, that kind of pops in my mind when you're talking about this is this is the exact same structure of how we need to reinvent something like GitHub for programming. Yeah. This is the exact same thing that they're doing over there, but we need to be able to do it. And it's totally doable right now if you figure that every single file that is, is put together on a Git is, could be a note. But we just need a way to collect them into catalogs of notes that go together. So regarding, um, there, there, there are two train of thoughts that I, I, that I guess pop up. Um, first one was, um, The, oh, the, the modular modular structure um, that I, I'm really emphasizing that I want I want that to be like a big feature because you know if we're if we read some article you know a lot of academic articles are not very beginner friendly and even like you know every journal article will has some sort of introduction but 
that's not really catered to the absolute beginner. Um, it's catered to the reviewers to kind of um, ground the work. And I think that um, for, for this kind of Wikipedia style, if you don't want to write your own introduction, um, you don't have to because you just link it to the rest of the body of work. But if, you're, if your work is actually very, um, if you would like to have a, uh, rational, like rationalization for why you're putting in this work. You can also, of course, add that in there. And, and then the second part on, on like the incentive side is, um, you know, if you have a bunch of, if you have a bunch of different notes that are talking about the same thing and, um, well, how, how do you kind of rank the quality? And I think some of it is on, in terms of like those interactions, like the, a, um, like the the commentary notes that have agree and disagree, uh, because if someone wants to like some, make some sort of bullshit note of like the sky is green and then my references are me, right? Um, that's not worth anyone's time to even um, even say like you're wrong. Um, but if you have something that has a lot of interactions, be it positive or negative, because they are good faith arguments, even if they're wrong. Um, you can essentially um, have you can you can kind of uh, parcelate the field, uh, par par yeah, the um, split the field in like what is what's been established and what are the more contentious aspects of you know some domain, and on top of that, you can even take these ind individual index cards, throw it into a language model, and then say these are the five. 500 closest index cards of biology, create an article that brings me from like absolute beginner to like understanding what, what this, you know, what this final note is about, what is this, what is the ex experiment needed? Um, and I think just kind of being able to um, make learning things autonomously is um, very important, especially when we are, there's a, kind of looming threat of like AI generated content that um, you know, with, if you have uh, if you have an AI that's talking about some sort of technical field, it may or may not be wrong because you're, you, you wouldn't, it's difficult to say because you're, if you're not an expert on that, it may sound coherent, but it may actually to the experts be like, that's very vacant in any information, but it just, it sounds like English and that that's difficult for, newcomers to, to wade through. And I think something like this, um, in addition to the other, um, there's, there's kind of like two layers of curation. There's the, um, there's the commentary layer, and then there's also the, you know, the specific implementation of the relays, where if you want to have uh, it to be free, a free-for-all, that's not a problem, but like you can also be on the opposite end and be, you know, if Nature, Nature Magazine wants to uh, have their relay and is like, hey, Pay me eight thousand dollars to uh, to publish your stuff on here, and um, we're just hosting it. That's not a pro. I, you know, that's that's um that's possible too. But like you know, no one's really going to be linking to um, you know, relays that are essentially exclusive to everything else. And the benefit is being able to compose uh, a you know a giant network out of multiple relays to create this kind of uh, network of knowledge from different areas.
you mentioned about um, about kind of uh, overlaying or, or or at least prompted the thought uh, of integrating with like LLM, like the language learning models. <clears throat> would would you do you see this as kind of like because like you know prompt engineering is like the next uh, big thing, right? So like, is there a way that you sort of integrate this like subject-wise, and then it kind of produces a prompt to go out to a language uh, model to come back with an answer specific to how like your subject matter? Or? I think um, so. So I'm I'm a graduate student, and uh, so we kind of you know we're using ChatGPT to help us understand lots of stuff, um, and I, you know, and we, we have some, we have resources to like kind of um, construct like, or, or work with that, whether that's a open AI or um, through their API or, you know, maybe, maybe from the absolute basic, like of using uh, Llama, the Facebook Llama. Um, I, I think it would be a, a cool feature to add later down the line of just like, um, uh, essentially give me a response, uh, uh, give me a response that is only contained within um, these 500 index cards and don't go outside of that um, because, you know, ChatGPT is, it can give you great responses, but it's essentially the average of everything that it has, um, that it, yeah, it has encountered. Well yeah, you craft that, that initial prompt, right? Yeah. Yeah. How well, how well you craft that prompt um, but you, um, I mean, I, I don't know how to verify that, but like I, I have like a hint uh, um, or, or a hunch that the stuff that it spits out, it like who knows what else is outside of what you're asking is leaking into the, into the response. So it, it may like in terms of like coherence and like sounding, sounding true or sounding sophisticated, but not actually being, um, relevant to what what you're asking and prompt engineering can help but i think um you get better results by just saying only work with these notes that i that i'm telling you to work with and don't don't extract don't don't put in other content and and referencing re referencing the ideas would also be easier in that case So what do you think of like the, the reference tags? I mean, how do you sort of tie it all together? Like if, if we're just simplifying on a scale and we're talking about like plants or something is, is the kind of subject matter. How, how would you see that kind of uh, laying out and, um, and then just, you know, as an evolving model, um, you know, how, how do you sort of have that, <clears throat> that feedback loop to say, you know, this is good and, uh, this is where we need to adjust, or whatever the case is. So, with um, could could you uh, kind of rephrase that again? So, like you know, you know, you're you're trying to basically build a well. Let let me just uh, try to lay out your your framing here, and correct me where I'm getting it wrong. But you're, you're saying essentially that we're going to uh, build out a kind of like a, a note type of system that would be 
um, uh, community fed or, or right there? It, would it be community fed? How, how do you qualify the, the initial kind of um, subject that you're You kind of faded out there, but um, I guess in terms of yeah, how do you how do you like how do you qualify the first like, the, the subject matter and and say that it's I guess relevant. Well, you, you, how do you know that it's um, yeah I guess relevant um, to to the topic? And just, you know, just thinking of it on like a small scale. Yeah. Um, so that I think by having um, some tags, like you have, you have tags to, you know, this this note is related to biology. Um, it could be an introduction. It could also be related to um, the the other notes that it's linking to, and um, whether it's like just directing links and kind of um, inheriting the tags that the the other note was. Was related to, um, but I, I think you know at, at the bottom, the bottom case would be just um, like finding relevance would be within like manually putting in some tags, and also what are you referencing? Whether that if it's in, I'm trying to make a, a differentiate between an internal and external uh, reference. So an internal would be uh, a reference to another another note within this system and an external reference would be, you know, whether that's a paper or a YouTube article, a YouTube video or a blog post or something like that. So I, I have a question. Um, how do you, uh, how do you prevent um, people from abusing the tag system? Like, how do you trust that the tags are being uh, correctly added? Because this makes me think of like this, you know, like the whole semantic web thing that people tried mm -hmm. in the early 2000s where they, you know, were just relying on people who were hosting websites to add metadata so that like web crawlers could, you know, organize stuff. But of course, people just put false meta tags because they want to get page views about whatever the most popular stuff is. So that failed. And you had to have an intermediary in the form of Google come in and centralize that task. And, um, you know, that's how they made a lot of the money was by organizing the content. So I'm wondering, how do you how do you make this work without centralization? Yeah. Um, so. Two, I guess there are two ways that I've thought about this and you know for a for you know free-for-all relay that that'll be a bit more difficult but um you know for like lab specific relays if you want to host your documentation or um you know if you're known for um a specific type of work i i'm sure if, if it's closed if, if it's free to free to read but you know only the lab can push to that relay it, it makes managing um, those tags easier. Um, but then also for maybe a more open private relay that you know certain people can push to, you might even have a, a small community of curators that just go through the go through the notes and just be like, oh this doesn't belong here. I'm gonna remove this note or oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna remove this link or remove this remove this tag and that might be its own you know, mini 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 job too. So just just trying to keep that kind of self organization without um, um, like having a central authority on top of it, or you know the 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 central authority would be you know who whoever's part of that relay. 
to just you know curate curate the notes. I guess I see. I think that the optimal mode of organization is not necessarily relays. I think that um, people are using lots of different relays. Um, I think maybe it might make sense to have the communities be based on something more abstract that is kind of cross relays to where you could kind of create maybe like a a way for people to kind of create a tag where they sign in every event that they create that they want to go in to a community, they can add a tag that contains like, for instance, the pub key of the person who they are voting for as the moderator. And that's how the moderator establishes credibility. And so you can opt in to different leaders of the community, basically. I think that might be accomplish the same mm -hmm. thing and then just be more scalable. Um, because I think the private relays, there, there, there has to be, the problem with that is that like discoverability is an issue. There needs to be a way to sort of aggregate information at the same time that it's being uh, sort of uh, differentiated into different like modes. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, conceptually, I think you're really onto something there. Um, I, I think I would just, um, I think that maybe if you locked it inside of a relay, it would be less discoverable to, uh, to other people. Yeah, and so I, I guess the, you know. Also, later down the line, I might uh, the the group that's uh, me and my friend that are trying to work on this over the summer. We're we we might have to um, go onto the onto the relay level and figure out maybe maybe there are specialized types of relays. So all all the most relays are for fast moving data that probably will be purged um, and then. There's that um, backup that you propose, which I think is a awesome idea. Mm. Um, but maybe you would like to have something that is. Uh, I'm kind of aligning this type of um, this kind of system as something that's, a, that's more permanent and more more slow slow moving. And um, so maybe there would be relays that are optimized for not um, not. Such fast-paced, uh, such fast-moving data, and um, uh, man, I, I lost that. I lost my second thought. Yeah, it's a, it definitely sounds like you. I mean, you got a a framework that just needs like a little massaging to in yeah. little trial and error to you know uh, figure out what the model exactly is. Because I think you know it just you know, some of the incentive structure, you know, for the people to maintain it and things like that, you know, what, you know, that's the one thing that has to be kind of parsed out, um, you know, whether that's uh, monetary or through like some sort of status, you know, badges or something, of that nature, whatever it is. Um, yeah, but it's interesting. I'm, I'm definitely dig it. Uh, yeah. So also with um, the incentive structure, you can have um, like to encourage good faith, um, good faith arguments. You can also say, you know, I'm I'm gonna put uh, five, you know, a thousand a, a thousand sacks for this note to make as like I'm saying that this is good quality. And if it's not good quality, well then the relay operators or the curators they essentially can get the money. And if it is good money, uh, or if it is a good note, then um, they can essentially have their um, their their uh, their sats back. Um, which it, it's none of the. I don't think any of this should be like mandatory, but these are just ideas and you know possibilities that would 
work in for a, a system like this. I like the idea of I think you cut out right yeah. mm. Well, yeah, man. What's what's the the plan then? I mean, you said you're going to be working on this over the summer. Yeah. So I think I'm going to be. Um, you know, my semester ends next week, and I from I have kind of like a draft of um, a, some specifications for the different types of notes that could um, could work in this system. And I'd probably be submitting some sort of um, pull, pull request for that. And there's also a few people that are kind of drafting up on Figma, like the outline of what larger amount of, what, uh, of steps in a particular environment like that. Not saying it makes somebody better than somebody else, but it, it may. Renegade, you, you cut out there again. Those mountain ranges, man. The, the, the downside of country, or you know, living out in the <laughs> outside of the city, I guess. What's up, Sammy? Hey, what's happening? Um, I just have a quick question for the group here. Um, Not any better? Can you can you guys hear me all right? Is my mic working okay? Yeah, you're good. Are you good? Uh, uh, Renegade is his hand up. Maybe he wants to finish his train yeah, of thought. We'll, um, we'll, we'll come back. Uh, go ahead and get yours out. Okay. okay. Um, I uh, I kind of um, have a thumb on the um, privacy space, you know, like everything that's going on and sort of privacy and things like that. Now, I'm only kind of uh, a novice to looking at these kinds of things but i've noticed a trend at the minute uh, arguably it's been going on longer than this but a, a coordinated push at the minute uh, uh for censorship right so i've seen in america in the states you have the restrict act okay and in the eu you have the this thing called the digital services act right and in the UK, you have this uh, Online Harms Act, okay? And uh, I don't think it's a coincidence that all three of those things uh, are attempting to basically censor their attempts at censorship. Uh, the Digital Services Bill it kind of words it in such a way that uh, in, in the EU, so, uh, the onus is on social media companies to censor material that... Uh, arbitrarily is decided to be harmful or to be um you know x y and z like they just want it it's censored something that the, something that uh politicians and 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 uh the powers that be want censored if they decided that it has to be censored the social media companies could get fined online harms bill is trying to do it in a different way in the uk they're trying to bring in censorship under the guise of we need to ban encryption because pedophiles use encryption I mean, we've seen these types of arguments before um, with regards to Bitcoin. Oh, only criminals use it, you know, this type of bullshit. And then the Restrict Act uh, is, says that it wants to ban TikTok. But the bill doesn't even mention TikTok once. And so we see this coordinated effort across all of the Western bloc 
to there is a massive push towards censorship at the minute and the I think the public has become desensitized to it in the sense that like when back when Prism, you know, and this, these types of operations were revealed back back in the day, like there was a, a certain amount of shock in the public. They're like, oh, my God, the, you know, I, I remember at the time, like, you know, there was it was in the papers, it was mentioned, it was like talked about. I'm not going to say everyone, you know, was was appalled by it or whatever. Like, I think people just kind of fucking became desensitized to it and moved on. But now I, I've seen the three big pushes for censorship across the Western Bloc, and nobody is even aware of it, really. And not even aware in their own individual individual areas, but not even aware of the coordinated sort of, uh, I mean, it can't be a coincidence that we've, these bills been passed all at the same time. And so uh, I suppose if I have a question, I would ask, like, how does Noster fit into this? Because I think, I mean, you have a, you know, how how is Noster prepared for this type of governmental intrusion? Like, so I think at the moment we're. I mean, my personal opinion is is that we're not prepared. Um, I think that relay operators are at a great risk right now, um, and. We're just flying under the radar because we, we're not big enough yet to really be a threat. But I think that we really need to think about how to um, like make Noster a little bit more resilient and a little more peer-to-peer, or at the very least, make it to where you can easily run Relay on like consumer-grade hardware, like an Umbral node or whatever, or something like that. But um, ultimately, I would love to see... Um, something that could be like almost like a peer-to-peer desktop application that would function as a relay and a client at the same time that could perhaps use like WebRTC to um, make connections to clients or, you know, and this is out there and I feel like right now we have to solve more like the, the core problems, but that uh, I think the only, you know, like basically to make this generalized, I think like ultimately the government is going, can, can arbitrarily make you a criminal for running a server. So the only, just like we saw with, you know, like marijuana legalization, everything else, the only way to defeat a law like that is for literally like half the population to be a criminal. And then the law becomes unenforceable. So we have to make a protocol that makes it just impractical to enforce this by decentralizing the um, sort of back end of Noster as much as possible. So, um, yeah, I don't I don't think we're going to get anywhere by petitioning the government. We're not going to solve this problem from inside the system. We just have to build a system that can't be stopped. That's that's the way I look at it. Yeah, completely, completely agree. I, I, and I, I think we're obviously heading on that right trajectory. I mean, ultimately, like the end goal is like having mesh networks, right? Like yeah. mesh network systems, like local communities, um, you know, sort of you you have the ability to sort of sever off your network from or not sever off but like you know it, it it's born you know out of bottom up versus uh top down so you're not dealing with like server farms and stuff like that you're dealing with like you know uh households running servers and or yeah. whatever it is i think blue sky is gonna be uh someone else talking go ahead sorry oh no, uh you go ahead man Oh, sorry. I wonder you the blue sky. It would be interesting to that kind of be the litmus test on how the government's going to treat uh, these kinds of decentralized social media things. 
So I would think that's kind of a, a more, uh, you know, centralized team and, and whatnot. So it might be an easier attack vector by by government. Well, they... Nostra can hang out in the background and just keep grinding, right. man. You know, it's like the shit, the shit coins are like the low-hanging fruit that the government regulators go after while Bitcoin gets more resilient. Maybe Blue Sky will take the bullet for, for Nostra. <laughs> Ooh, that's a, yeah. Be a happy ending. Well, yeah, um, absolutely. I think that's that's the way it's going to end up having to go. But but okay, so you have to almost think of it in an allegory of like uh, I know for for you, Shami, this doesn't really apply as much anymore. But think of uh, and a lot of countries hate on it. But think of the United States. Why is it that we still have such a broad uh, broad firearm ownership? Because we have them. Because everybody has them, and because you can't just one day make them illegal and take them all away. They can incrementally try to do things, and they are, and they've been fairly successful over time. But we still all have the come-and-take-it mentality. There's still a very huge portion of the population that basically sits back and says, yeah, you can make it illegal, but you're going to have to come and take it from my cold, dead hands. So we need to we need to find a way to adopt the same approach, the same mentality when it comes to... Uh, your your sovereign, you know, free speech and uh, and ability to control your own digital identity. So it, essentially, yeah, we we make it. It's exactly like uh, Stuart was saying. Make it so uh, dispersed and so granular, so individual uh, and ubiquitous to be a part of this that they could make it a crime. But so what? They can't enforce it. Well, it's also why Bitcoiners are actually the best community of, of people to uh, pioneer this is because they're most convicted and most resilient and most um, focused on security and, and, and defending property rights and just their rights in general. And so I couldn't imagine like any other community that, that would be spearheading something like this, to be honest with you. Well, Bitcoin it's like, and, the, uh, and the survivalist community. Those yeah. two, they go, they go hand in hand. They really 100%. do. Um, and, and to kind of point towards uh, what Stuart was talking about, eventually maybe a client that would have embedded relays, it reminds me a lot of what we're starting to see with some of these lightning applications. There mm -hmm. are multiple apps on your phone now. You could get like a Blix wallet or whatnot where you've, you're actually running your own light node in the background. And you could actually run a, uh, a very lightweight, it's not super useful right now, but a very lightweight, like a backup relay on an Umbral server uh, as well. That's just kind of like a plug and play type thing. It doesn't really do much. It doesn't, uh, nobody else can use it, but you can point your stuff towards it on the back end through like Tor and uh, have all your notes saved so they can't ever go away. Something like that, a very, because nodes are hard to install right now and they're very technical. I've dabbled with it and it's kind of frustrating but they're not, other than the space that they use or bandwidth, they're not huge resource hogs. So if we all had our own small relays that ran in the background of applications that basically were responsible for transmitting our stuff and if we wanted to take the, the torrent model of opening it up and also transmitting a certain amount, maybe a threshold of, we're gonna, I'm gonna participate in the network this much that's that's kind of the answer there. Look at what was they still haven't shut down torrents. They still yeah, can't exactly. shut down torrents. Exactly. That's Torrent. an extremely resilient model, and I think we need to mimic that. Hundred percent. I completely agree with that. Like torrents have been super illegal for twenty years, and they're still thriving. So it's absolutely it's proof that that's the right technology to adopt. Is something like that. Well, it's funny when you, you were say. talking about. Uh, 
file serving earlier and you mentioned something about torrents or whatnot, and that just kind of clicked in my head too. I was like, man, that's, that's freaking perfect because it, that's the only way to really decentralize large file storage. You know, it may not be the fastest right now, but I'm sure we could find ways to streamline this. Well, it's been around I mean, for 20 years. I think it is the fastest. That's the thing is it's way faster than IPFS. Like a torrent, it's really, you're only limited by your uh, download speed with torrent. Like, um, because like torrents actually get faster the more people are seeding them. So more and more people are, you know, participating that's, that's, in this form. That's a good point when you're trying to, I, I guess most of the time if I've, I've had to go and torrent something, I'm trying to download something a little bit more obscure. Yeah. But you're, you're right. I suppose the, the more popular a file, the more servers it's on, the more availability it has. Yeah, so, yeah. exactly. And so if you had like a, a podcast, like, you know, something that would, I mean, like we all saw like the censorship that occurred during COVID and stuff like that. Would, that would be amazing if there was a site that was just videos where you could be like, Absolutely. oh, all the servers have been taken down. Okay, no problem. I'm just, a little pop-up comes up that says like, there's no servers available. Do you want to fall back to WebTorrent? You click yes, and then it just loads from Pierce. That would be like the most seamless thing. Um, yeah, and we could hopefully do that with relay data too. You know, uh, on some level, I would love to see the ability to sort of like um, uh, consumer grade apps be able to run things that are almost like forwarders that like run like a little local database on your inside your computer that when it received um, a request filter from like another client that you're connected to with like either WebSocket or WebRTC or even just TCIP. Um, however, however it is, um, you could just, uh, you know, query your local database for that event and then send it back. Or um, if not, just forward that request to the people you're connected with. It's like the six degrees of separation thing to where, you know, it wouldn't take long for an uh, event to propagate through that kind of topology. Um, the, you know, the, the biggest problem is just spam deterrence. How do you prevent people from flooding the network with, um, you know, events? And that, that's really the biggest issue. And but maybe that could be solved by some type of trust score. It, it would seem like it would have to be. Um, so, yeah, I mean, th there's a lot of room for, for innovation there, I think. Yeah, definitely. And I know I was listening to a nest earlier where uh, uh, Vitor was on kind of uh, defending his his uh, spin on uh, NIP95, but he was talking about how he's just going to make it optional now, which was great. Uh, but we had some little talking about approach towards towards spam and blocking and and how that works and different ways that people like to see it improved. And I think that's a, that's probably the hardest uh, hardest problem to solve because you almost have to you have to find a way to crowdsource it, you know. And without it becoming a popularity contest, but at the same time have it be not centralized. So yeah, that gets tricky for sure. But yeah, kind of uh, dialing that back on the, the point before, I was how cool would that be if somebody was able to put together something that was easy to to use by the average person that was a client with a relay on the back end that was married with like a lightweight torrent client in the well, back end too, I, and it all just worked together seamlessly. Yep. I've been thinking about building this. I'm hesitant to bring it up because there's like 40 things that I have to do right now, but I've been thinking about that is some kind of like, um, basically like a Noster browser. That's just like a browser that has a database and the ability to create peer to peer connections and the an integrated torrent client. And, um, you know, maybe it's faster to get real and, you know, you could connect to normal relays also. You could just, it could load any web app. You could connect to normal relays, and then you could also could that, make peer-to-peer -peer connections. Could that, also, 
could that operate as like a browser extension, sort of similar to Albi? Like you could plug it into like a Chrome-based browser, and it would just it would be your relays. It would enable you to punch in any any inpub and read it directly in the uh, in as like a in, in the URL bar, and then would also allow you to sign events and log in and log out and things like that. That may be a, an easy way to kind of integrate it without building a whole browser. So there's two problems with that because I've thought about this. There's two issues. The first issue is that the um, your your ability to store and like the ability to store data in the browser is severely limited by the browser sandbox. And um, you know, like depending on the browser, uh, you know whether it's Safari, I think is the worst. But you might only be able to store like you know like 10 gigabytes or something. Um, and also you have to use like the browser's API for storage, like either IndexedDB or local storage, or maybe like, uh, I think it's like, what is it, like uh, some SQL implementation. But basically you're, you're very limited. You don't have the ability to um, efficiently run queries on your data. And there've been heroic efforts by JavaScript developers to try to give that functionality to browser browsers, but they're just hamstrung by the security model. So I think it would be far more uh, performant to have something like an Electron app or a Towery application that, um, you know, like Electron comes bundled with a browser and everyone always shits on Electron because it's kind of bloated. But I think in this case, coming bundled with the browser is actually a feature because you want to have an environment where you have full disk permission to be able to run like a, you know, like a NoSQL database. Like you just want to have like a Postgres in the background that you're able to efficiently query and um, I think what's really cool about this is you wouldn't have to change the way that relays work. You could have um, uh, like um, you could have uh, these peer-to-peer -peer clients interface with each other with the same um, request filters that are sent to relays, and then they, they would just execute those queries locally. Yeah, that's cool as shit. I, you know way more about it than I do, so I, I totally respect that. Hey, Shamey's had his hand up for a while there. Well, hi. Um, I just want to uh, ask something here, um, especially while Stuart's here, because he seems very technical and um, um, knowledgeable. And I'm just going to read a little snippet here. This is from, and, and, and I apologize if this is a bit wordy, but I really want to take your view on it. I want to read out a specific wording, right, from government.uk website, okay? And... Uh, you tell me, imagine, for example, that you uh, Nostra wasn't decentralized and you were like so, a, a company like Twitter, okay? And what would be your take on this, okay? Um, so uh, this document here goes on to say, oh, encryption's fantastic uh, and brilliant and, it, you know, people have a human right to privacy and journalists use encryption and so on, right? But then it goes on to say, Particular implementations of encryption technology, however, pose significant challenges to public safety, including to highly vulnerable members of society like sexually exploited children. We urge industry to address our serious concerns where encryption is applied in a way that wholly precludes any legal access to the content. We call on technology companies to work with governments to take the following steps focused on reasonable, technically feasible solutions. Bullet point one. Embed the safety of the public in system design, therefore enabling companies to act against illegal content and actively, effectively, with no reduction to safety and facilitating the investigation and prosecution of offences and safeguarding the vulnerable. Bullet point two, sorry, this isn't much. Uh, you cut out. Oh, man. 
but yeah, I mean, to, to sort of address that, I, I mean, the hard code is going to beat out the soft code, you know, and, and, and what I mean is like written law is going to just get beat out by hard coded law and it just going to happen eventually. You know, I mean, it's inevitable. It's like the prohibition uh, that occurred in whatever decade that was, you know, they tried it and it sounded good, but like, you know, multiple alternate, uh, systems emerged and then the government, you know, had to come back with a tail between their legs. So it's, it's not much different. But the second point here is, is says enable law enforcement access to content in a readable and usable format where an authorization is lawfully issued if it is necessary and proportionate and is subject to strong safeguards and oversight. Uh, like, I mean, th like it's incredibly broad, like incredibly broad. Yeah, well, it's because it's, it's got to include everything that they don't like. And so yeah, you know, I mean, at some point, people are just going to get tired of words like public safety, national security, and all these other useless fear-mongering terminology. And they're going to realize that how they're being propagandized. And at some point, I think it, we've already it. crossed that. Yeah, I think the tipping points occur. I mean, we have for sure, but like you know. Oh well, yeah, but it, uh, I use my mom as the test. She's going to be eighty this year, and. Like when she starts, like she tells me about Dr. Phil and like, you know, what's going on there and stuff. But like when she starts talking Bitcoin, I'm like, oh, we've, we've, uh, <laughs> we've hit the zeitgeist, you know, like uh, peak zeitgeist, 80 year olds are now into understanding or at least uh, talking about Bitcoin and et cetera. Uh, have you guys heard of Threema? It's like a chat app, you know, it's privacy focused. Uh, like they've written an open letter to the UK government, you know, um, saying this is the, like, you know, explaining their absolute disgust uh, with, with this sort of attack on encryption, like, you know, and, and so to have like Signal and, and I'm not sure what WhatsApp stance on it is, but like, um, you know, um, like encryption, um, am I misunderstanding this, right? But you know, like the P, P2, uh, uh, what is it, the pretty good privacy, you know, the guy that came up with that? Yeah. Like that, that in America, that was classified as a munition. Like encryption was like legally classified as a munition. Like the same, so, it, so by him uh, selling this software, right, this encryption software, it was the same as if he had moved like ammunition from one country to the next, like, and he was brought to court over that. Like, but is encryption not just math? Like, how can you make math illegal? Well, isn't marijuana just a plant? <laughs> you know, how can you make but, that but, illegal? But there's, there's even more of a, a, a like. There's more abstraction than than just a plant. Like, it, it's literally just fucking numbers. Like, well, it's really an agreed upon uh, contract, social contract, and 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 that's where we need to oh, and that's where i think like renegades exactly right with like the second amendment people and, like the gun rights people like i i grew up in a lot of this culture and it, like there's a firm line and you don't cross it and like as soon as you do you just wave your hands in the air and just get insane and uh i think the bitcoin community and you know, nostr by you know adjacently is very good at that like we're not gonna like take the shit i mean they can 
put all the stuff out there, but we're just going to outsmart them 100% of the time. Well, the, the yeah, one thing uh, I like about about what Signal said is that uh, if this passes in the UK, they're just going to not offer it in the UK anymore. Not only just for the protection of uh, of themselves, but for all of their users around the world, because they would have to open up basically a back door to the UK government to uh, to comply with their that, laws. That's so what they're asking. They're asking there, every encrypted every encrypted yeah. chat service. They want them to open a back door to them. Well, it's, a, yeah, it's an good opening luck. First of all, that's too. not how encryption works to begin with. That's yeah. just, you'd have to literally write new encryption software that allows a backdoor because encryption is written with the idea of not having a backdoor. But then the other thing about it, though, and this is what makes Nostra beautiful, is that they can write all the laws that they want, and this applies to anything. Those laws are only as useful as their ability to enforce them. So if we outcode them, if we write more resilient code that no matter what laws they write, no matter whether they make it illegal or not, they can't stop us from using it. They can shit in one hand and wish in the other and hope and see which one fills up faster. That's really what it'll come down to because here's the deal. They let them go ahead and send a letter demanding that there are backdoors into everybody's information to the CEO of Noster. Go ahead. You can't because with a bunch of diverse developers around the world that are putting this stuff together and building it as a network. So they can't regulate any one person. It's just individuals writing code. And like you said, it's just math. It's going to take a while to like sort it out, but uh, uh, for them to figure it out at least. But my man, Beva, what's up, brother? Your mute's still on. Sorry, man. Uh, just sitting here listening to you guys, just getting angrier and angrier what these governments and their bullshit, um, especially in addition to Shammy pulling that all together about how each sort of continent's got its own little piece of paper that's, you know, trying to gather or trying to put the, their foot into everything. So it, it really just comes down to smart people like Stuart here. He has to zoom out and not worry about so much focusing, I don't think, on, on the, the current tasks or the problems at the moment, but has to foresee where the choke point is going to come because the governments just move up the chain to, to a point where they can choke it or strangle it. And so people like Stuart, the smart guys in the room that are building this, they need to zoom out, move up the chain and start thinking ahead 20 steps and working on that because it's going to come and it's going to come fast. And as we know, this is only so, so new and so young. We, we can't be wasting that talent um, working on shitty little problems like I turn my fucking like button off and I'm, I'm not happy. You know what I'm saying? That we, they just got to, um, got to get ahead of the game. So I guess that's yeah. what I'm trying to say. I think you're raising a good point that there's kind of like, two problems that we're trying to solve here with Noster is like on one hand we're trying to solve the problem that every other social media company is trying to solve even if they're centralized which is how do you make something that people like how do you get growth how do you make it attractive and fun and all that stuff but yeah we're simultaneously trying to solve the problem of like how do we make this network be able to, to defend itself how you know we're, we're building a kind of like safety net for society for the world that it can sort of land on when all, all the other channels get cut off and um you know 
yeah, pe people, you know, it's really easy to be like, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. It's like, all right, well, here, well may maybe so. Let's say for the sake of argument, there's only a 10% chance of that happening. I mean, I think it's probably higher than that, but let's say it's a 10% chance. Okay, even if it's a 10% chance, aren't you going to do something about it? If someone told me that there's a 10% chance that I'm going to die, well, yeah, I would stop everything and try to sol start solving that problem. Like, like it's pretty important. Like, we're, we're, I, I look at this decentralization thing as kind of like an insurance policy that we have to make, we, we, you know, we should assume <clears throat> that the worst case scenario is going to come to pass and then prepare for it. Just It's just a responsible thing to do. So oh, I'm, I'm right there yeah. with you. If we don't do anything, it's coming and it'll come fast. It's pretty yeah. clear and clear and evident of what's, you know, I'm, I'm a bit older than most of the people around here and I've seen it in the last 30 years. Just they, mm. they chip, chip, chip away and then all of a sudden you wake up one day. I think someone was talking about it before and, and it's just there. It's like, oh, when did that happen? Well, it happened to you every day. But all you got was people said, like you said, Stuart, it's a conspiracy theory. Well, it's not. You just got to zoom out and see what they're doing, taking the bigger picture. So, we're we're relying on guys like you, Stuart, to get on your bike and get ahead of the game and <laughs> plug the holes before it happens. Well, I'll tell you what, it's a lot of it's super encouraging being able to like be in this together with a bunch of people who are you know they care about it. It's uh, yeah, it's it's great. I think the community is the only way that this is going to happen. People can't you know sitting on a computer by yourself aren't capable of doing this. Um, you start to feel crazy after a while, you know, that was what the whole COVID thing, that was like the isolation, I think, you know, if you want to talk about conspiracy theories, like, I think the whole concept of isolating people is how you weaken them. If, you know, when humans get together in groups and tribes, they're pretty much unstoppable. Like, we survived the ice age, okay? <laughs> humans can do anything. Like, I, I just think, you know, as long as you're in a group, as long as you're together and you have like a purpose and a mission. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think all the way from the technical coding nitty gritty side, all the way up to the high level theory that, you know, starts to get into history and economics and the human condition, all that stuff. It's all a valid part of the conversation. And like, it's about integrating those two aspects into a kind of like vision that people can understand um, and want to be part of. Yeah, and I guess um, I'd like to say, you know, show my respect there that you actually appreciate the people like that are surrounding you in the community that are uh, like-minded. We we can't do the coding and can't um, do the high-level technical stuff that you do, but um, yeah, there is support there, I guess, in groups like this, and I hope that gives you some some more gunpowder to keep keep striving ahead. Yeah. No, absolutely. You know, the societies that uh, have citizens who don't trust our government or view the government as their enemy end up getting the nicest things and the, the most freedoms and rights. And so I think even even if maybe you think that, you know, the government might be on your side or whatever, maybe it's just best to always take that approach where you should just assume that your government's out to get you. Because yeah. in the end, if you do that, if you, if you take that mentality, you take that approach, you're going to end up... Um, you, know, you want you want a government that fears you, not you fearing your government. If you if you if you're living in a civilization where you fear the government, or I'm talking about you being the people, then they have control over you, and then they get they get that leverage, and then they'll they'll just continue to dictate it, dictate more and more authoritarianism down on you until you're you know ground to a pulp. And so, I mean, that's I, think, I kind of like to think what I, I kind of like to think what we're building here on us, what we're seeing, and I'm. I'm I don't mean me as like I'm not developing 
so much, but as a community, because the community is all active and part of that building and helping to inspire these developers and give them perspective and, and that feedback I know is super crucial. But on top of that, the whole government problem, it's all what the government always becomes corrupt, right? The government always becomes overbearing and overpowered and uh, a little bit of power eventually becomes more and more and more. And it's the same path over and over until an empire falls. Absolute what we're corrupt, doing absolutely. here may potentially become right. But what we're doing here right now, the building the community that is decentralized yet allows people to to collaborate freely and to uh, and to form the hierarchies and the social groups that they need to get tasks done, just like what Stuart was talking about. This is the answer to the government problem. So instead of sitting back and thinking, how do we resist the government? How do we fight against the government? How do we, uh, these governments are eventually going to be their own destruction. Let's build a system. Let's build resiliency. Let's build networks that survive the government and replace them with something that is better, that is truly all humanity coming together for a greater goal instead of having to rely on a few people in big chairs to make all the decisions for us. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, we don't we don't need to ask we don't need to ask for our freedoms. We just need to take them. Like I completely agree with you. Like you know, we we don't need to fight systems. We don't need to waste energy. We just need enough space to build something better. And um, you know, it's always a minority of people that um, you know changes the world. It's always been that way. Um, so who knows? Maybe I, I don't think anything's guaranteed. Like I do think it's still healthy to like maintain the idea that it's possible Noster could fail. Like we might not succeed. Like um, I don't think you know we, we gotta have. I, I at least I have that perspective speaking for myself. Like I I don't think this is a guaranteed thing, but it's definitely um, seems like a worthwhile like use of time to be putting energy and effort into this because like what else are you doing? You know, like working at the, the fiat money job or like you know it's such a weird time to be alive. Like you have half the people thinking that AI is gonna come in the world, and you have it's just like it's such a strange time to not have like there's so much uncertainty that you have to create um your sense of certainty by having a vision and just trying to execute it um it's definitely you know, won't be found outside of yourself i don't think there's a quote you know and i really like it and i try to live by it and it's like the first thing that a rebel needs to understand is that they're doomed and that mm -hmm. in a sense in a sense that liberates them that they just they can do things that weren't possible before like you know wow there's a uh, and not to quote uh van wilder um uh, and, and he quoted somebody but uh don't take life so seriously nobody gets out alive yeah that's right no yeah. i mean it speaks to like a purpose and you know i i i, I don't know we, we call it what you want but it, it it all feels if it's divine intervention or whatever it is, but uh, certainly there's a pull towards like, you know, run towards this thing and, uh, and all these communities keep being built up and all these coincidences seem to be happening. And, um, you know, you just got to sort of run in that direction because, um, you know, to Stewart's point or earlier, you know, what's, what's, what's the alternative? I mean, it, 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 are we going to like reinvent the steel industry in the United States? And, you know, my kids are going to start working there. Uh, no, uh, we're going to reimagine new communities and new economies. And that's the way it works. Uh, one dies and another's born. 
Yeah, it's and, just the cycle of uh, death and rebirth. Yeah, hundred percent. And and it it's not more hey, you, you know difficult than that. Yeah. Oh, you know, even if even if like you said, this felt like a waste of time. Like you know, Noster fails. It's always possible. Anything could fail. I mean, it's it's without the users, without the people here, without the relays. What are we? But I don't see it as a waste of time in any way, because I think every single person, even, even in the probably month that I've actually been over here and involved, I've learned a ton. I've met some amazing people and I think everybody else could echo that, that sentiment. So I can tell you right now that spending the time here and being a part of this, even if the next, if even if this is not the next thing, I'll be so much more prepared and educated for the next thing. And it's it's not about this being the end game necessarily. It's about the journey, and it's about learning along the way. And this is an incredible tool and opportunity to do that. Yeah, this is such a cool conversation. Honestly, I feel like this is like it really like runs the whole spectrum of what's going on here, <laughs> and it really shows you that like this. It's not necessarily just like a code project. It's also like this kind of cultural um, thing that's happening where you know people are finding unity. Um, it's 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 almost like the shadow of all the division that's occurred. Like, I mean, it's what it feels like to me. Um, I, you know, w like what's that? Like, um, fate loves irony or something like that. Like, you know, it would be. I do think that there's something about the way that Nostra is kind of like a little bit disorganized that really bodes well for its future. Like, it's kind of like the same reason why like JavaScript ended up becoming the the most popular programming language of the world is because it was just so simple that everyone started using it. It got integrated in browsers and turns out evolution just cares about speed. Evolution cares about the ability to spread and reproduce. And like these ideas are compelling. And I think it's really good to package this kind of spirit with the technical implementations that we're doing on Nostra because that's what makes people care about it. Um, cause that's like the main thing that's missing in the world is just people feeling like they're part of something that matters. That's human. You know, the humanity has been drained out of a lot of the systems that we're a part of. So like, I think building like this kind of more humanistic implementation of the internet is like something that's really going to empower Noster to actually, um, you know, succeed. And like, yeah, you know, we're here all from different countries talking about this and we're speaking the exact same language. So it's, I think it really bodes well. The way you're I, feeling I, about this, how cool all this is, it's like how I feel after every single one of these nests I take part in. This is like a nightly occurrence, man. I'm telling you, it's, yeah, it's a vibe. I, I, I go to sleep awesome. every night. You know, yeah. something really struck me, Stuart, when you were talking earlier about the, the kind of globalization as kind of, you know, tends to be thought of as like, uh, you, you know, the, the, the way you're thinking, like uh, the shadowy figures and the you know, all the rest of it, but like, and you really, I'd never thought about it before, but like the, the idea of like the internet back when I viewed it as being like sort of, um, this incredible new cultural movement, it, but, it, but the, but the difference with it was, is that it was utterly decentralized, like, yeah, you know, as opposed to this, and, and it is almost like a, a yin and a yang. Like it's, it's, I never thought about it before. It was a really interesting idea when you brought that up. Yeah. I think that every, there's a there's like a flip side to everything. A hundred percent. Always a secret little hidden um, aspect that's underground that you know that that always comes next. So yeah, it's go back go back a, a gazillion years. It doesn't matter. I mean, the, the, all the ancient texts and 
everything is like kind of aligned and like the 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 idea of balance and you know yeah. that's life is and i heard the guy that came up with javascript he wrote it in 10 days or something like that yeah brendan brendan ike like <laughs> christ of almighty I know. Like, I... crazy Meth is a hell of a drug. <laughs> well, we're on one of those cusps. Like, think about like how much came out like between like the '30s and the '40s, like technologically, and you know, there's pioneer and philosophically too. Um, and we're just in one of those cycles, and we're we're gonna learn a lot about ourselves, about humanity, and about what we can be. In, in the coming years. I mean, by 2030, I think it'll be a little more, you know, uh, a little more orderly and on track, but, you know, we're in the chaos and like, for some reason, I kind of enjoy it, but um, yeah, it, it, it's fun. It's fun to be part of this. It's uh, fun to find community and um, I think uh, just keep moving forward. Just keep chugging along. I mean, these are both, you know, between Bitcoin and Nasser, these are both transfer transformational tools on um, just like your reliance on your own sovereignty and yourself and not being and being less reliant on a daddy or a government to tell you what to do to do. And so it's like you kind of go down these journeys and these Bitcoin and the Nasser rabbit holes. And I think you but just it has to be that way. There's no it's other like a way. life hack, man. It's like a life hack. Like you, just, you completely transforms the way you think and you try to bring other people along that ride. And it's kind of just like this like journey towards self-sovereignty and uh, less reliance required for the state. Well, it's a separation of money and state, right? I mean, it's, it, it seems so obvious. And like one of these things that the history books will eventually clarify easily, but like not without a lot of uh, trial and tribulation. But it, it, I'm, and, I, I am steeped in optimism, hundred percent. Like yeah, me too. Yeah, deeply. Like, and I haven't been. Like, I, I spent probably a few years, you know, uh, you know, kind of like in Doomerville, and uh, I am just like, like you can't bring me down. Not a, not a chance in hell. All right, we're like we're in this transition phase, right? And the tools are being built out in order to become. Uh, more sovereign individuals and so we, we just kind of got to a point for the you know last number of years where people kind of got too reliant on authorities and central planners and states and so now that we have these tools and we have these cultures and communities growing sprouting out of the tools that have been created it just makes it easier and uh, more enabling for people to to break out of that that dependency and, and become you know sovereign individuals and so yeah, well, it was always hodl, hodl, hodl. Now it's, you know, zap, zap, zap. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, and cool. I think that's a paradigm shift too, a phase transition, if you will, uh, to a degree, uh, you know, on a different level. But... The enthusiasm of, of the Nostra community, like even when that girl Casey jumped on and she didn't know anything about Bitcoin, she didn't know anything about Nostra. And like she's she's zapping and she's fucking like getting involved and like it's just fucking brilliant to see it. Like, 
Yeah, Cassie, she was the perfect uh, person for the perfect moment. And I don't think she's a psyop or anything like that. I, she's a real person or whatever, but it's kind of fun to explore. But um, yeah, she, she uh, I, I jokingly said she got like the ambassador's welcome, like, yeah. you know, red carpet laid out for her, zapped, you know, all that stuff. But it kind of goes to show the culture of the community and um it's different it, it, it just people all over the world just uh trying to have conversation and and help people which is completely different uh than we've seen before in all these other communities you know like like we were talking about twitter you know twitter's uh you know war war, war uh fights uh instagram's uh, you know you know this vanity thing and uh, Nostra's just like helping people and it it's so different especially like once you've like explored all the different clients and like different ways it works I mean it gives you a different perspective so it's like oh I can go here to here to here to here you know it's not like one application you're just looking at and you have the threat of uh, getting banned uh, so it's so different and it's such a paradigm shift that um, it, I think a lot of people, a lot of uh, society, uh, all of us are like trying to catch up because it is new and it's adapting and it's moving fast. But hopefully, and I think, like I said, that's the benefit of only having like 10,000 active users. Like we're having a small community, like we're building all the roles and all the framework and all the foundation for what uh, hopefully is a, a lot to come in the long term. You know, like Stuart said earlier, it's not about, or there's, there's not a lot of noise drowning out the signal right now. Hundred percent true. Yeah. So, something that I notice is people that have perhaps uh, views that like wouldn't be welcomed or, or maybe welcomed to a lesser extent on say Twitter and Facebook or whatever it is. When they're on Nasser, I find that they're because they're allowed to speak freely. Um, they're they they're less what's how's the word i should use like um they're less prone to argument than they would be on other platforms they're just allowed to speak and so it opens um it up to more human conversation like more just like sort of exploration of ideas like rather than a shouting match yeah the the, the other like uh somebody raven's reach he's having a nest here this weekend uh great guy but he 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 put a perspective that really made me think and he said uh yeah the algorithms or the original design the likes were designed to feed the algorithm to what you like to sell you shit in advertisement like we're here we don't have that algo like we're not feeding an algorithm to feed back to your brain of like sell me shit it's literally like you know the value stream is from zap to zap like person to person so you're direct so like we had uh, you know our concert with jay and uh last night we had a, a guy on from um somewhere who's uh, just jamming guitar and and you know people are zapping them and stuff like that just but like the use case is it's going to start with the artists and it's going to grow into like massively and i like the satellite earth concept it, i mean like 
and I, I'm actually excited to kind of listen back to our conversation because, you know, absorb it a little more because I, I think there's so much there. Like when you kind of frame out like breaking out communities and the potential that exists there and like all the players that need to fill those roles that are undefined yet. Like we kind of like, you know, you know, talked over it, but like, that's how a lot of it's going to unfold. Um, because you just kind of see the direction of it. It just feels like, yeah, yeah. hundred percent. Something there, Seth, that you said, um, about like being inside this system as opposed to the other system where you're being filled with advertising and the algorithms, et cetera, et cetera, which is all designed to ex extract money from your wallet. I think people find if they get into this system, they're going to, there's two things that are going to happen. They're going to have more money because they're not buying useless shit that they don't need and filling up their house with crap that they never use and end up throwing out and that people will get back to just being people and be able to talk to each other and pass the time away without, you know, spending money on shit they don't need. Just a, an observation anyway. No, it's a great line from uh, Fight Club where he's uh, driving down the road and he says, you just need to let go. Just need to let go and just go with it, you know. And uh, uh, a lot of people need to do that. I think uh, uh, sort of a lot of the materialism and that kind of, uh, ideology has kind of guided us to like into uh, thinking or you know conditioned us into being a certain you know you have to watch watch the Super Bowl you know talk about the advertisements you know stuff like that there's like a social pressure there where I feel like we're like being freed from a lot of that type of stuff like literally sports you know it consumed a lot of my time and I I, I applaud sports I, I adore a lot of the um things that it it can offer and you know i played soccer and baseball and stuff like that however um you know it's not life you know um it, it's an aspect it's like one small percentage of life so um you know i think we're freeing ourselves from those constraints that we had had for a long period of time Not, not so much constraints, really. It's it's programming, Insti institution. Oh, 100 percent. Have you ever watched the? Um, there's a great documentary. It's called The Century of Self, and it talks about uh, Ed Edward Bernays, who was uh, Sigmund Freud's nephew or something like that. Anyway, he he became the essentially the father of propaganda in the 30s. I want to say. Um, but it, it, it's incredible to see how, like, that was kind of the, like the foundation and the framework that brought in the modern advertising world. Um, and it's based on human psychology. Like basically they just figured out the roadmap to the human brain and, um, you know, modeled, uh, advertising, uh, towards, you know, getting people into behavioral type of uh behavioral engineering to some degree um and uh, the the first example was you know women uh never used to smoke cigarettes and apparently in the 
must have been the post uh, World War uh, One, I want to say. They, anyway, they they had a campaign. And they called them Freedom Torches, and they got women to start smoking, and you know, kind of crusaded a whole uh, marketing industry around cigarettes. And you know, you, you've seen the sort of the arc of that. But um, it's fascinating, just overall. Like, I, I recommend that documentary. Just understanding human psychology and how it has impacted the American mind. Edward Bernays' biggest claim to fame was that he tied the idea of smoking cigarettes to the women's suffragette movement. Yeah, that's what uh, it was. And to, and to make, to make yeah. smoking cigarettes a symbol of freedom, which didn't exist before because smoking a cigarette was just smoking a cigarette. But he attached that emotional image of freedom uh, to smoking cigarettes and doubled the cigarettes target market overnight. Because of course, all the women wanted to smoke cigarettes because it was sticking it to the to the patriarchy or whatever. Which you know, like I mean, the women's suffragette movement, you know, noble as it was, like I mean, he preyed upon it, like he he manipulated it, like you know, and people are 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 uh, will not go down that rabbit hole, like, but yeah, like I mean, um, like when I view Nostra, I view it as a chance for people to interact without those things like yeah because like you say these algorithms and things like that like they're they're intermediaries like i mean bitcoin was to get rid of intermediaries right you know like financial intermediaries like we don't need them and i suppose nasser is like that we get rid of like these intermediaries that try to intermediate our our interactions like our social interactions yeah, that's a really good that's a really good lens to look at it through i i look i think i think i see it very similar is that there's a kind of like um, superstructure that is like um, kind of like uh, sponsoring the kinds of interactions that we can have with each other, and it's really good a way to get the basically get the private keys back to our own life um, in a broader sense. So I really agree with that. You know, I, I, I I've uh, jokingly made the argument it's like easier to manage a handful of keys than it is like 140 freaking login and username passwords. Like if we just had a simple means of like managing our keys and like, like the NSEC login versus, you know, uh, you know, remembering all this crap and you have to change it every so, so often. I mean, like yeah, you, you got to change it every three months. You know, change it every three months and it can't be yeah. the same password as the last six and then it eventually gets hacked anyways and then and you buy like a service like LastPass or whatever and then that gets hacked and it's just like <laughs> I mean it's it, spinning your tires it, for something inferior to, to what you it know does can distill, do. It, it it does distill down to individual responsibility. And uh, you know, that's the the bridge and the gap that we, we have to cross as a society i i mean obviously i think everyone here kind of understands that and is probably on the further end of that but you know you have those friends and family that are a little uh, further behind and like you try to talk to them about it and it, it's like falling on deaf ears but um you know it, it, there it, there is going to be a catalyst moment where something's you know uh, unplanned or foreseen event is going to, you know, force action 
but that's the way it goes. Stress is uh, a means of growth anyway. You know, you can't grow without stress. For some reason, Noster reminds me of, if any of you come across that game, Death Stranding, Hideo Kojima. No, no, I never heard of it. It, like it, it kind of, I don't know why it reminds me of Noster. It's an idea of like a sort of a dystopian future where everyone uh, is disconnected and and kind of isolated, and they have to rebuild from scratch this network. You know, uh, uh, to to learn what it is to even be connected. Like you know, um, it's it's kind of we're relearning kind of in a weird way like what what it actually means to even like be connected to one another like we've kind of gone through this funnel or this prism of like i don't know whatever the early day internet was and we're, we're kind of growing and, and and we've learned from it and we're kind of like pushing out the other side and kind of relearning what it even means to 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 be connected you know I could I could be talking absolute blather. Don't mind me. I mean, I agree. I think this is just a great human experiment. You know, connecting globally, uh, firing off ideas and messages across the world at a split second was a way we were never able to communicate. And so, could this actually form like a uh, a more connected global human conscious? I think so. And so, but again, it's you know, people are slow to adapt, and people want to come along you got to drag them along kicking and screaming and so it's going to take time and we're going to have to learn lessons along the way we're going to have to learn about ourselves we're going to have to learn about each other we're going to need to learn how to connect in a different way that we have before you know and so we're kind of used to you know uh having our small tribes and fr friends and family and maybe you know co-workers and whatever and just kind of having like you know a general isolated bubble whereas now it's like i can talk to someone in afghanistan just by, you know, signing on to Nostradamus or whatever, just because I randomly had something to do in my free time on a Thursday night, you know? And then all of a sudden, someone just shares this idea with you and, or a perspective or a concept you never even even considered in your life. And then all of a sudden, your your conscious just grew a little bit, right? And then maybe you shared something with somebody that, you know, tipped them off as well. And then they, you know, we were able to kind of like each blow each other's minds uh, over the course of an evening. And then you take those lessons and you can pass them down to your your maybe your local bubble, more bubble uh, socialized community in real life. And so I think that's just kind of like, you know, words spread like a virus, right? If you have great ideas and we if we live in a free market of ideas, it's just going to continue to benefit everyone in humanity. Well, as long as there's, you know, open, uh, there is that sort of uh, opportunity to uh, incubate ideas and, you know, have conversations, then um, it's going to exist. Even China, you know, is, is is grim as everyone sort of announces it is, and I'm I'm sure that there's a lot of truth. But there there's you know the Great Firewall, right? There's always a, a way around, and people are sort of breaking down barriers. And I know like Domus was in there, and they got banned and. And uh, there was some controversy there, at least quick controversy. But um, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, we are kind of this interconnected um, globe of people and, you know, ideas. And 
I think there's a group of people, a core group of people who are just open to, you know, every idea, you know, and you have to have thick skin, thick enough skin to be able to like, you know, uh, roll with the tide and ebb and flow with the, the, the way that things work. Um, you, you can't, uh, take things too personally and just I think ideas are like uh, any other life cycle. You know, they need to have a little seed and a little nurturing and uh, let them grow. What's up, Bevo? Got your hand up. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> just wanted to change subject a bit if you guys don't mind. I missed the start of the. Yeah, brother. <clears throat> I've just been playing with your satellite.earth, Stuart. Mm -hmm. um, I think I've got my head around it, but what I. I'm, I'm missing something like I understand about the feed on the left and the right. You yeah. Know, but like I'm comparing that to Damas. I've got that open and I'm looking that I'm not seeing everything on the left hand column that that is coming down from my followers on Damas. Like it's not. Not the same. Um, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm missing like the brand new post from one of my followers. I think the reason is, is because on satellite, um, it's, it surfaces entire conversation threads. And so, for instance, like the difference is, is on Damus, um, you will see the actual, you'll see the notes that the people you follow um, post. And then on satellite, you'll see the root note Yep, that they replied to, and then if you click on that, you'll find their reply embedded somewhere in that conversational thread. Yeah, I, I worked that part out, but w mm -hmm. what I was saying is, like when I looked on Damas, there was like a brand new note, so no replies, nothing on Damas, uh -huh. and that hadn't appeared in the left-hand column, and it's like, uh, are you in the feature or the following? Um, following. Ah, uh, okay. Um, well, I'm not sure. Uh, sometimes. I think some clients don't implement the um, threading in, in IP um, as well as they should, and so maybe some notes can get dropped. Um, if you go to the profile feed of the person, it should it should show up there, definitely. Yeah, okay. But, yeah, I, I just didn't know whether I was doing something wrong or not um, understanding. Yeah, so well, that, that, I'm not sure. That means, that means that I'm just missing that, that post. If I was actually looking at the feed, that would pass me by and I wouldn't see it. I noticed the other day that there was um, some a note that was dropped, and I and I investigated it, and it looks it looks like some other client signed um, didn't put the proper tags in, which meant yeah. that satellite couldn't pull the whole thread. So that's unfortunately there's nothing I can do about that. Um, yeah. Hopefully that'll get fixed when those when that other client fixes the bug. And I mean I wish yeah. I knew what client it was created from because I would message the developer about it. But um, but uh, mm -hmm. yeah, I think that should probably sort itself out in time. Okay, sweet. But yeah, um, mate, it's an awesome way of actually looking at your feed if you can guarantee that all the new posts are coming in on that left-hand column. Yeah. Um, I like it, eh? It's really cool. Really good. Thanks. Um, that, and the only other comment I had is when I went to mobile, mm -hmm. um, I had to paste my key in. So don't tell anybody I did that because yeah. you, you didn't have an option for putting, using like, yeah, Albi or whatever your extension. Um, yeah, unfortunately, on mobile, um, you, you it is possible to use an extension called um, No Store. Yeah, um, I've got that on my Safari, oh, and it didn't pop up. Really? Oh, that's yeah. weird. It, it works for me. Um, does it? Do you use that No Store with other apps? No, I've, I don't use Safari. Only when I have to 
I swap over Safari when I got to sign into something and use my. I mean, Nostal. is Nostal. is that is no store um, functioning with other apps? Then besides satellite, I'm wondering if there's something because that, that's strange. It works. I have it actually. I'm actually see it on my phone right here. It's working for me. I wonder why. Maybe try refreshing the page. It should be a little button that says Connect Nostra that pops up. I I already I already oh. logged in, so it's too too late for that. Oh. I guess. Okay. But yeah, I I, I refreshed it. Um, shut Safari down, reopened it when I was trying to yeah. run. That's weird. And, uh, it, should, didn't, it should be working. Didn't, didn't pop up. That's odd. So anyway, that was just feeding that back. Okay, thanks for that. I'll, I'll take a look at that closer and see if there's any bugs. Yeah, that was just a feature that I deployed a couple of weeks ago, so there might be something there. Yeah. Sure. What's the thought process behind having to go to your profile to post a new post on satellite? Um, so yeah, that's not a good. A lot of people have mentioned that. Um, that was just a mistake. I am going actually in the next update. Um, there's going to be a global post button right in the top right corner. So that is a very uh, you're on point about that. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> I don't mean to be critical. I just you know. No, no, I really appreciate the criticism. I, I was just curious if there was a reason behind it, you know? Uh, no, there was. I That was something that um, someone else actually messaged me on uh, Damas a few. I got a notification, and they were like, um, oh, I really like satellite, but um, I just, uh, you know, um, maybe you've under-prioritized the new post button because I can't find it. I'm like, oh, shit. So, yeah, I've um, as soon as I get the... Uh, the open source uh, release done tomorrow. I'm gonna push an update that will include that um, that post button and a couple other little fixes. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. It took me like between five and ten minutes to figure out how to post. I was like, well, "This is cool. I like the layout and I like how things expand and kind of contract." And yeah, oh, it looks great. Like everything. I'm just like, uh, "How do I actually communicate here?" <laughs> and then I was like, "Oh, okay. Here we go." But it was no, like, yeah, fun. it just wasn't like. First, in, it wasn't like my first intuition, you know, and so I think other people probably had the same problem. I am, think that they had the same problem and were too polite to say anything, so I'm really happy that you said something. Yep, that's what I need. And this, hey, this is hey lads, I'm way to bed. I'll chat to you later. Take her handy. Later, Shemmy. Later, Shemmy. And, and this is weird too, Stuart. Um, I posted a note from mm -hmm. Satellite, mm -hmm. and I, I seen it because it came up in the left-hand column mm -hmm. and now I've gone back into my profile and that note's not there. Um, that should be there. Let me see. And, and I went across to Damas and it's not there either. Let me see if it's on mine. I'm going to copy your input and go to satellite right now and see if I can see it. Um, I, I, it was something like a test from satellite.earth, posting a note from satellite.earth or something. Is what I what I wrote. Weird, interesting. Yeah, I see your last note. It shows up. Listening to Stuart now on Nest. Come have yeah, this. I was after that. Yeah, let me let me see if it. Let me go to like Primal and see if it shows up. Primal so just gone. Red slash. Here we go, Seth. We're we're open source nesting, mate. You'll be should be happy. It's what we do, brother. <laughs> Yeah, we've had a, a lot of these conversations. It's fun. <laughs> yeah. I, I think there's something to that too, like just being in yeah. the moment and like figuring shit out and like solving problems together. Like that's that's it, it's better to solve problems together than it is to do it alone. Yeah, hundred percent. Let's see. I'm gonna go to your profile and see if I can see it. 
Um, and I just, um, I'm pretty, I'm, I could be making this bit up, but I'm pretty sure I went to Damas and I seen it on there. Oh, you know what? I'm so on... I, went to, I went to Primal just now. I don't see it on your profile on Primal either. Um, oh, being so... censored. No, it, it must be like a relay <laughs> thing. Like it didn't publish or something, right? That's... Yeah. No, I seen it. I seen it come up on the left hand column on the. Hold on, I'm gonna look you up. I got, I got, I got four clients in front of me. <laughs> we'll, we'll see here, Bevo. I'm telling you, man. I seen it with my own two peepers. All right, listening to Stuart now and this. That's what I got on Thomas. Damn it. Satellite. Well, you did satellite, right? Yeah, um, I, just, I don't see it either. Uh, here, snort. I'm posting another one right now. I, I've definitely had that happen before, Bevo. Yeah. Like where hey, you um, post a note and it just doesn't go through. Oh, test again from Bevo. Go. I would just try it again. I got try it. Again. Did you just hit that? Yeah, I just I just sent that then. Okay. Yeah, I got it. I just hit the. Uh, I just loaded snort and that was the first thing showed up. Yeah, I just saw it pop up on satellite, so that worked. Yeah. Yeah, it must have just maybe your internet connection dropped out for a second. And also a lot of what happens too is I notice a lot of the relays will just randomly disconnect and reconnect. So I have a satellite in a way that if it'll automatically try the relay reconnect with an exponential back off. But if your um, internet goes down for a minute, then maybe you just didn't, it just didn't get sent out to relays. That's also possible. Okay. We need a whole freaking relay like conversation. Yeah, like we, we do. don't have relay operators talking and like we're, we're talking a lot of devs and stuff like that, but like no relay people. Well, um, I could, yeah, I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to publish my relay tomorrow, um, which is, I think it's way more basic than the other relays. And so it's, um, actually a good like way for people who want to learn about relays to just, it's almost like a toy relay in some sense. Very well, I'd like to, yeah, I, th I think a lot of people want to learn about relays. Yeah, I would. Um, like, there's. <laughs> How would we deploy your relay? So when you when you release your relay tomorrow, um, do we just go to GitHub and clone it, and then like go to oh. AWS and throw it in a container, or like? You don't even have, I mean, you the... can run it locally. It's just a Node app, so you can just uh, as long as you have Node.js um, on your computer locally, you can just clone it and then just um, command line npm start. And then you'll have it running on like port 5000 or whatever. And then you can just um, run a client locally. Are you going to have that in the docs? Yeah, I'm going to make You're a gonna simple have that in the docs. started thing for it. And like, is this something like you, like you can start off and then like customize it and like make it yeah. a public relay if you want? Or? Yeah, I hope people like fork it and build extra features. I'm going to keep building it too because what I would like to do in the next um, like probably like within the next few weeks is actually deploy this relay and have it be, you know, cause I want it to be like functional. Um, but I am just, um, yeah, I'll be developing it right now. I mean, who knows? It could be fine. I mean, I, I think it's, it might do okay under load, but I just haven't tested it under load yet. So I'm not sure. Um, but we'll find out. Like I have, I have like my node, like the brand, my node software. Mm -hmm. um running and i have like the relay the nasta relay running but uh, like i don't see anything i don't like get anything from it so like it'd be cool to like look under the hood of a real relay if you will yeah i mean my, you can it's just node.js uh plain javascript um very you know lots of comments 
um, like I said, I just, I created this relay because I needed to understand this was like back in January, February. Like I was trying to figure out what the heck is going on. Like I had to figure out the whole protocol kind of, and just, and the best way to do that is to just build a relay um, and implement the spec. So yeah, hopefully it'll just provide like a Gitis jumping off point for other developers to kind of, you know, be able to put in your own little console log statements, just like see what's going on at different points. Hey, Stuart, are you familiar with NIP42 client authentication? Uh, yeah, authentication. Yep, that's yeah. on the that's on the roadmap too. Somebody else was asking me about that. I know Mason from uh, Nasser.wine was really excited about it a couple or maybe like a week ago or so. Apparently, it's a yeah, private actually, relay. He's, for he's just the you one who your... me actually that? about it. Oh, did he? Yeah, yeah. No, I told him I'm going to put it on the to do list. Um, that would actually be really easy to implement. Um, Have you kind of like brainstormed potential use cases for, for um, 42 or? Well, yeah, so I'm going to, I am planning on, I'm thinking about actually using NIP42 as a way to authenticate users to upload um, data to the CDN thing I was talking about. Um, because, you know, I don't want to have just like a, a server exposed that anyone can upload anything to. So you'll have to authenticate first by signing a little message and just proving who you are. Um, so that, that could be one way of doing it. Gotcha. Nice. So, um, I was still waiting for LM Bits to to drop their their relay, their push, their plug and play relay. Is there any update on that? I think I heard recently that it, it, like maybe it was on that NBK podcast. He was talking about like. Ellen Betts had like a like a big thing, like kind of like a real big kind of swoop in plug and play type thing with uh, something. It, it... Can you guys hear me all right? Or I can hear you, Sets. I can't hear you, Seth, if you're talking. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm staring at the phone. I'm getting tired, but yeah, I'm here I'm just for wondering you. Because, like, I'm, I'm just wondering, like, how, how, we can, how everyone can just run a relay and be able to... Well, you know, that's the angle, right? Uh, you, you know, like, you, you heard the Balaji, like, bundling, unbundling concept. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, like, I think there's something to that, but, like, you have to, like, break it down in sections. You can't just go... Do you know like, how, like, Nodeless or UXTO is uh, got Nodeless there? And, like, I feel like there could be something like that just for relays. Well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, seems like a feasible use case. Like, if, like, Stuart, I don't know if there's, like, a way, like, you know how, like, um, you're saying you'll just be able to kind of clone 
your relay and and mm -hmm. kind of run it locally if there's just like a one click button to kind of do that for like a a normie or even like some some no code guys like us where we can just kind yeah. of you know with a couple clicks just get everything set up without using command lines like that i think because i really yeah. feel like you know like uh with with run your own node run your own relay makes sense too. yeah i mean that's i think like it's gonna be pretty hard to um uh make like a you know yeah, I don't know. You might be able to do like a one-click deploy kind of thing. You know, they have like those. You know, you can build like apps on AWS or whatever. There might, there might be something like that, but there's a little bit more. You know, there's also like DNS management. Um, there's a lot of like kind of I don't know exactly. It's not exactly programming. It's like DevOps or whatever that kind of goes into there. Um, I think like that might be a good idea, but the ultimate, the real like long-term solution is to make it to where you can run a um a relay like on your computer like a torrent client kind of thing um that seems like the long-term solution to me um but you know in the meantime like you can the relay that i'll be releasing tomorrow you'll be able to you know you sh you'll be able to just clone it um and then run one single command and it'll boot up so it's like i said it's pretty simple um if you have a you know just and like, like what Will we be able to like map that to our domain? Like, cause I tried to run the one, like connect to the one um, from my node, the software, and it's just an IP address. Yeah, I mean, the problem is if you're running it like on a residential connection, that's a dynamic IP address. And so that's gonna be changing all the time. And also most ISPs like will prevent that like or it depends where you are but so like you you can get a static ip address for your house um it costs extra um but uh probably the easier solution is to just get like a vps from like DigitalOcean or something um and uh run it from there um so do you know um the parameters of like um like what what i should set up in DigitalOcean? uh it's kind of hard i mean how are you familiar with how to set up like a VPS in general? I've haven't personally done it, but um, I've like played with DigitalOcean. Like I've I've yeah created an account and I was like in there. Like with I feel like with like the right um, documentation, as long as it's not like too much. Like if I just have to run like one command or you know do like some system administrative tasks um like or just like dns management like i feel like you know most of us in this uh chat here are capable of that and like the the real barrier for us is just like like i just did my first github uh clone you know a couple weeks ago with a nostra iChat extension and it was like super easy but it, it sounds intimidating and like it's just a few clicks and um I feel like if there is more like um, tutorial, like not necessarily tutorials, but just like walkthroughs on some of these simple things, a lot more people could start participating and, you know, um, be able to add. Yeah, I, no, I think so. I mean, DigitalOcean does have tutorials, but I think there's only certain, you can only reduce it down a certain you know, to, to a certain extent, like it's definitely going to be a challenge, I think, to set up. I mean, 
it took me like two weeks to figure out how to set up a server the first time I did it, um, you know, a few years ago. So it's a little <laughs> like, I actually think there is, I could be completely wrong about this, but I feel like there is someone who has like a thing where you can just spin up a relay. I think it might be, it might be Ben Arc actually, I think. Um, I could be totally wrong about that, but when I was down in Nostrica, I remember having a conversation where someone showed me that, where they did have like a... Yeah, he demo he demoed it at Nostrica, and that's like, I've been oh. waiting for it ever since then. Yeah. It was supposed to be for Elon Bits, but I don't, I never saw it come out. Maybe it's like... Oh. Um, yeah, that seems... secret good. still, or like, I don't know. Yeah. So someone, someone's out there streamlining the Because I guess anyone... Because anyone can build, like, on LM bits, like, like if they know how to use the API. Like, I feel like a lot of us, like, could uh, potentially, like, learn that stuff. Because I've heard from a, a few devs that, like, it's, like, a very simplistic protocol, right? Like, it's, Noster is, like, very simple. Like, do you think it's a good starting point to, like, dip your toe into command line and code? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, what I would do is just like download, clone the relay, and then run it locally, and then just have like your app running in a different browser window. And then so your relay is going to have an address like localhost 5000 or whatever, point five thousand, and then just um, add that as a relay. And then you can, um, you know, be able to actually see what events are getting to your relay and kind of be able to, to debug it from both sides, which is, I think, the best development flow um you know at least it was for me which one of you guys are going to try this with me bevo seth dean i'll give it a crack right now rendezvous yeah. Well, no, uh, Stuart's going to release it tomorrow, so maybe tomorrow. Yeah, I'd, I'd give it a crack. But if it's just Seth, myself, and you, Seth, isn't it like the blind leading the blind? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think I'm capable of cloning it and running the NPM command and making sure I have – you said it was Node.js yeah. or just JavaScript? I mean, it's Node.js is the um, – is, is like the – the engine that JavaScript runs on. It's just regular JS. I think I have that already. In, yeah, because a while ago I was fucking around. I had no idea what I was doing, but I definitely yeah, I mean, if downloaded you go on, if you or like, like imported the... If you just type like node... I'll go there right now. What do I do? Just type in open command line, type node space uh, hyphen hyphen version. And then it'll if, if you get anything node. back, you have it installed. Node space hyphen hyphen version. Was there anything else? Oh, like version. A... Yeah, I got um, V18.12.1. There you go. That's the latest uh, long-term long -term release version of Node. So yeah, you should be good to go. And um, so then I'm just going to run npm after i where, what do i do i download it to like save my desktop or my download folder mm -hmm. well i'll put it in and the documentation I just type in, 
Oh, man, I'm so excited, Stuart. <laughs> I mean, all that's going to happen is it's going to say, you know, relay initialized, and then that's it. <laughs> so you're going to have to go to a client and then add, um, you know, add that local host address as your relay, and then it'll, um, you'll be able to see the events that uh, your client creates, like, as they get accepted. And how, how would I do that? I go, I go into command line, and then is there a command? That I type to uh, no, I mean, you're, you're, so your, your relay is going to be running on a local address. It'll be like localhost something. So then you just go to whatever client you want to use and um, add. And that's automatically going to generate once I type in NPM or whatever? Uh, I mean, NPM just runs the relay. And then once the relay is running, it's running on your local computer. Um, and then uh, it'll just have like a, I mean, so I'll, I'll put all this in the documentation and try to, it's kind of hard to explain, <laughs> but I'll, I'll try to make it as clear. Like That's the it. local host address, because I've never like had to use that or, you know, get to that point. Like where do, is it just like, uh, I just go to localhost.com oh, yeah. or whatever. And I mean, well, yeah. If, it's, I, if I type it into my browser right now, will it pull something up? Um, well, you're not, really not running anything on localhost right now. Um, if you yeah, once you start something running on localhost, you can go to it in a browser. But if you try to go to a relay in a browser, you won't get anything back because it's not expecting a get HTTP request. It's expecting like a WebSocket connection, and your browser is going to try to talk speak HTTP, which it doesn't understand. But I'll like I said, I'll, I'll so I would just go to the relay address, like the WSS. Well, you wouldn't go to the relay address. You would what you would do is you would just add the URL of the so the relay when you start it, it'll say initialized you know running at localhost port 5000 okay and then when you then you copy paste that, that into your relay so instead of putting in like you know relay.damis.io you just paste in that local right. address yeah and then i'll just see all the notes that go through that in the command line yeah cool. exactly learning yeah, um, you know, like I, I have to go uh, grab some dinner, guys. Um, my, uh, it's starting to get late here in California. Um, yeah, I think I think four hours is probably enough for all of us. <laughs> I'm, I'm done too. My brain is just completely fried uh, awesomeness. So it's been a blast. I super enjoyed yeah. this, and um, I'm I'm hope I can uh, come back on here and talk about some. Oh, stuff dude, like anytime, man. Absolutely, Are you kidding me? Yeah, dude, you're more than welcome. I really appreciate you uh, coming on and giving us even four hours. That was just amazing. Um, I'm gonna clip uh, the first. I think the first hour and a half we kind of fully solely devote devoted to your. Uh, your satellite yeah. earth project and so i'm going to clip that and i'm going to we'll get it to get it uploaded to awesome. youtube and all the other podcasts that we're on and I'll, I'll share it with you as soon as it's been finished it'll probably be sometime maybe saturday or sunday so awesome all, all right, right. Sounds good. yeah man don't be a stranger feel free to come on whenever all appreciate right. it hey, rest you guys bar. yeah and nice really nice meeting all you guys likewise man yeah. thanks for right. bye for sure see ya Everyone else, man, I'm signing off too. I, I woke up at four in the morning to have to go drive to a, a training that was completely awful. Yeah. And so I'm my brain is just totally shot. So I, I'm going to hang it up as well. So I, I appreciate you guys showing up and uh, be sure to look out for the podcast when it comes out. Don't forget okay. to do your Zapathon tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. oh, man. All right. Hey, where do Thanks you, one much. last question for you, Fiend. Where so, do you upload your podcast to? Like, yeah, uh, I have, have, have a, we have a, we have a Bitcoin uh, in the description above you.
The links yeah, you, like, you can you, click on. When you upload the, when you upload your file, where do you upload it to? Like, do you do it to YouTube first, or? Oh, yeah, I do. It, well, I, first of all, I, I trim it because this is a four-hour session, and I only trim like the highlights because I don't want to put all four hours up on YouTube. But I trim like a couple of segments, or if like we have a guest on or whatever, I'll trim that too. Uh, and then I, I I send it over to Seth that file, and then he'll put the RSS stuff on. Uh, Fountain, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts, and I just um, I have a converter. Where I add I can add an image to an MP3, and that converts it to a like an MP4, and then I just combine an image uh, with the M- MP4, and then I uh, upload it oh, up to shit. our, our YouTube channel. Was... What's up? I didn't realize it was that complex. That's another another day. Good night, man. Yeah, it's a. Uh, I mean, it's fun to figure it out because like I've never done a podcast before, and so I just kind of was interested in trying to figure it out. So, but it's uh yeah, it takes a little bit of time. <laughs> Probably a few hours every Saturday morning is kind of what I devote to it. So, all right, man. Yeah, have a great night, dude. We'll talk to you later. Have a good night, man. Later.